Welcome to and Almost Starring, the show where each week we take a film and break down the casting, including who almost starred. I'm Jeff Ronan. I'm Amy Jo Jackson. And a boy's best friend is his mother. We're looking at Psycho. For better or for worse, out there is a universe where it may seem bizarre, but they were almost starring. Amy Jo, how are you doing today? I am okay, a little tired, but talking about Hitchcock, I think might pet me right up. You're right up. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I couldn't help thinking of this uh, movie after when taking my shower after uh, it's inevitable. working out earlier today. It's uh, inevitable. Yeah, 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 yeah. So let's get into it. Psycho is a horror mystery thriller that came out on September 8th, 1960. 60th anniversary was just a few weeks ago. Uh, and was directed by Alfred Hitchcock, of course, and written by Joseph Stefano. Amy Jo, what's your experience with Psycho? Had you seen it before? Okay, so this is an interesting one. Um, back in the day, and by that I mean basically from like mm, senior year of high school through like my mid-20s, I was like a bit obsessed with Hitchcock. So you'd go to sleep to Psycho every night is what you're saying. I hadn't finished my sentence, which is to say... I watched many of them many times, but mm-hmm. I was very mm-hmm. scared to watch Psycho. Oh, of course. Well, it's just like it's his first like flat out horror movie. Yeah, and like I had I had seen like clips of the shower scene when I was younger. Right. And in fact, I don't remember when it was that I saw it. And I hadn't seen the whole movie. I truly only seen like maybe even stills from the shower scene, but when when I was Probably like fifth grade. I saw the shower scene or heard. I don't fifth know. Grade. Fifth grade. I don't know exactly what it was. I only took baths for two years. <sighs> you know what it was? I think we did the Hitchcock experience at Universal. And by think, uh... I know. And I was definitely in fifth grade because Aaron was in third grade and mm-hmm. he got picked for everything that trip. Like sure. all the audience participation. I was so <laughs> upset because I was like, I'm the actor. <sighs> Yeah, so it was fifth or sixth grade, and they show the shower scene. It's like a whole yeah. funny thing they do with it, but of course it traumatized me. Sure. Um, they and... show the shower scene in its entirety for this Hitchcock Presents? He, well, Hitchcock, sorry, Hitchcock Experience? Yes, it's like one of those, um, that it doesn't. it isn't there anymore, I forget what they... Hitchcock Experience sounds like the worst band of all time. We are the Hitchcock Experience. I don't know, you see different opinions than me than i um i feel like it could be a nice spooky band well i'm picturing the only instrument is like uh like a keytar sitch with but like uh all these it's just a sound effect uh, uh-huh, machine uh-huh. and it's all just like cock cock so it's it's really the alvin hitchcock presents experience yeah sure, yeah. sure, sure, sure. so when i was in like middle school high school I think the AFI was coming out with all the top 100 lists. There were a lot of Hitchcock films on there. So I started, I think, with Strangers on a Train because that looked really interesting to me. And then I had seen North by Northwest because I loved Cary Grant. So I start working my way through all of those and finally like worked up to Psycho, like end of senior year. And I was like, oh, this is quite good. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I've seen it in theaters a couple of times. Oh, wow. um, I, I saw a double bill in college of Psycho and Vertigo when I was, like, getting oh, over cool. mono. So, like, watching <laughs> those Saul Bass credits of Vertigo on mono. mono, I was like, whoa. Um, so that well, was Well, cool. this was one of our earliest dates was to see Dial in for Murder in 3D when I had one of the worst head colds I've ever had in my and life. And it was so sweet I of you to come. <laughs> barely focus. So clearly that's the way to see Hitchcock. It's just like... Hanging on for dear life. Incoherent. <laughs> um, yes. And then one of my favorite experiences with this film is having been... 
to see John Williams conduct uh, a night of Bernard Herman uh, at Symphony Hall with the Boston Pops. So they like drop the screen and they like do all these film scores. So they did like the whole North by Northwest theme with like a compilation, sure. but they they then played fully the whole shower scene live Wild. to it, which was incredible um and really scary and then for the encore john williams did a bunch of john williams and i was like cool the john williams experience yes then it was a full about face but Uh yeah so i've seen it a lot i've I've, like you know also like really was into hitchcock when dvds were a big thing and there's so many special features on all of those so um, I know a lot about this film, so wow. trivia is going to be interesting trying Ooh, to see if you can enough, catch fair me. Enough. I'm, well, it's not a game. What? Except for the game that we play to see if you can guess the actors that were up for the role. So we'll see if you know that level of trivia. Fascinating. Uh, what about you? I ha- This is only my second time seeing Psycho. I'd seen it once in high school, and I wasn't crazy about it. It's just I, I love Hitchcock as the master of suspense. He ain't the master of horror for me. Y'all, um, <laughs> as a suspense film, it's very yes. suspenseful. Yeah, here's the thing. Uh, we'll, we'll get into it, of course. I think the first half of this film is incredible. I think everything up until after the sh- right after the shower scene of really once, and it's nothing against Vera Miles, but once the sister comes in and we get into the second yeah. half of the plot, I stop caring a lot. Um, not that it's like there's still so 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 much great about that second half i mean it's Edward hitchcock it's psycho but um compared because i was coming to it having already seen and becoming obsessed with rear window yeah strangers on a train um vertigo even though it wasn't my favorite i still dug it uh and then you know i saw notorious with you for the first time and that <gasps> was like almost top of the list of hitchcock perfect film so yeah. so many hitchcock films that i'd seen and loved and this especially it's also knowing where it's placed in terms of being like one of his best films it felt a little like well i think you have to look at it in like historical context of course course. i mean it's you know you you're spoilers for a 60 year old movie you're killing off your lead actress half less we're less than an hour way through i believe yeah like 45 minutes yeah like 45 minutes in um which is like incredible and is almost unheard of but i'm like i I, i'm not saying that this film is just that twist of the narrative Mm -hmm. at all i do think a lot of it of its legacy and of what we think about it, it is in that though is that feeling of like the first time of seeing that especially imagining as an audience yeah not knowing going in because you didn't do this i'm sure there might be some other film that did this but i can't think of i don't know well, of and, one and that consciously tricked the audience this is exactly. also okay back in the back in the day you would buy a ticket to a movie and you just walk in whenever like you weren't people weren't very concerned with showing up at the start of the movie they would come in wherever they came in and then stay and watch the next screening until they got to the point where they had come in. And saw so that movie Citizen Kane. It was so stupid. I came in. It was only two seconds long. I just came in. He said, Rosebud, credits. Dumb. Yes, next. I think someone might have entered and realized that wasn't the entirety of the film. Um, but so this was like the first time like Hitchcock made a point of it. Like they made a big publicity like push saying right you have to be there at the start of the film or you will not be admitted and people are like what here, the I, heck? I actually have the exact thing that they, they put it here uh well these this is from the newspaper advertisements which i loved they uh 
they, this is what they said. You must see Psycho from the very beginning. No one, not even the president of the United States, not the theater manager's brother, not even the Queen of England, God bless her, will be allowed into the theater after the beginning of each showing of Psycho. This is to allow you to enjoy Psycho more. By the way, after you see the film, please do not give away the ending. It's the only one we have. That's so good. But it creates like buzz, but also oh, absolutely. because Hitchcock was worried about people wandering in an hour in and yeah. being like, where's Janet Lee? Janet Lee? I came to see a Janet Lee picture and I, I don't came. see no Janet Lee. <laughs> I, I think between between that and then also looking at the, the other neat trick that it does, which is it gets you to root for her and then immediately yeah. root for the person who killed her not to get caught. Well, but you don't know that. I know, but it's still the person covering up the murder. Yes, but... But because all we see of Norman Bates at that point, sure, he is a bit of a weirdo, but we, our sympathies go to him because we immediately assume it's this mother. We're like, oh, this guy who, you know, he's a little creepy, but it's still like the one, the big scene between him and Jana Lee is ultimately what makes her decide like, you know what? I'm not going to steal this money. I'm going to turn back around. Totally. But, but still that you're like rooting for her and then immediately hoping that her story doesn't get found out. Like that, that what happened to her doesn't get found out because you're rooting for him. Like it's just, it is a very deft trick of totally. cinema. Well, Hitchcock is, oh, that's one of the, the things he's best at is getting you to like still feel like in Rope. If you're not familiar with Rope, it's an okay film, right. but the premise of like these two guys kill another it's pretty based much just on to Leopold be like, Loeb, right. like loosely based on the, I mean, it's a, based on a play that was inspired by the Leopold and Loeb killings. Oh, well, Regardless, the, with you're pretty much watching these two guys have killed a guy, put him in a trunk, and are now hosting a party. And the whole time, it's like, is anyone going to open the trunk? Yeah. But you'd think it'd be like, good, catch them. But you, that you feel the tension of like you don't want them yeah. to. Um, and he does that like so often through uh, he does it in frenzy with um like the this whole the oh, whole great yes, scene with the murder yeah. is like trying to what what is it he's like he leaves a body in like a truck full of potatoes or something and he forgot like his victim pulled his his tie pin so he's got to like get this tie pin back and you're like get it back get it back and you're like why do i root for this murderer yeah that's just Um, called good old cinematic manipulation that's the cinematic manipulation experience uh so hitchcock oh and yes i mean we should briefly discuss i have not seen the 1998 gus van sant remake of Psycho. Nor have I. Uh, nor Bates Motel, which does have its fans. Nor I know people, I. people, people, some people like out there really like that Bates Motel. I think I watched like the first 10 minutes and I was like, I don't care. This is not <laughs> for me. Uh, although I would watch it in a heartbeat over Ratchet. Well, that's what I turned to you and said when we were watching the movie, I was like, see, now this is something where a prequel makes sense. Totally. Because yeah. like, there's a a lot here to dig from. Not that and, there's not of right. Ratchet, but it's very different. Well, it's also, it's set up within the movie yeah. you set up that like, at the end and we'll get into the synopsis soon i promise you listener <laughs> but they set up that like you know that norman has killed his mother and his mother's lover and two other girls so you're like the other two girls so you already ha- you're like well there's all that to get into and just this relationship you're like what was that yes. like to actually see in person um which apparently i think vera formiga got like an emmy nom as norma bates good for her uh, and she's great love that vera formiga um but i've not seen that i've not seen the 1998 remake of psycho but knowing there is a shot for shot remake of this that will inform some of my picks i've tried not, I don't think for all of them, but I've tried to find also like, okay, who else for the 1998 version, which that 1998 version has like Julianne Moore and William H. Macy and uh, some people I really, Robert Forster and like people I really like, but it's still, you know, name of the game. 
and almost starring. Yeah. Uh, so Hitchcock supposedly wanted to make this film for two main reasons. One was that he was coming off of a series of big budget starry pictures, namely Vertigo, which at the time premiered to mixed reviews. And North by Northwest, which was critically acclaimed, but was a huge, 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 huge picture. That's the, that's the other one. I was like, what are the other Hitchcock movies that I had seen before this that I really love? North by Northwest. Yeah, so, it's, so good. It's an epic. They're both huge. Yeah. They're in massive like, pictures. Like there's the plane sequence in North by Northwest. Oh, yeah. And you got Jimmy Stewart like trying not to <laughs> fall off a tower. You've got like so much <laughs> happening in both of those. And you've got huge stars, very like uh, oversaturated colors and all it, and huge casts. Absolutely. Um, but then after that, he also had three different projects fall through. My favorite being uh, he was supposed to make a film with Audrey Hepburn called No Bail for the Judge, which <laughs> I think is such a silly title. Uh, but he wanted to scale back to something smaller. And the French thriller, uh, am I pronouncing this correctly, Mujo? Diabolique? Diabolique. Diabolique. I'm sorry. Let me let me do the, the It bre- might be the Diabolique, but I think it's Diabolique. By the way, you need to do the breathy. Diabolique. Diabolique. Well, Diabolique, a smaller black and white thriller, had premiered in 1955 to great success with many critics saying that it had out-hitchcocked Hitchcock. So he was like, oh. I'm going to go out. Diabolique. Have you, Diabolique. Have you seen it? I've not. Oh my I gosh. need to. Jeff, I'd we love must to. watch it. Let's it's watch so it. good. Of course. Um, we just, you, yes. I mean, just for, for listeners that haven't seen it, I just, it's just like known for a immensely scary sequence of like, what is it like a dead body within a tub or like a, yes. a body in a tub the, that comes to life or well i mean that's toward the end yes, so yes, yes. you know but regardless but that also it infor- is very that, known- that has also informed this movie and him wanting to do that shower scene well and if anyone has seen fatal attraction that is a direct well, yeah. reference to oh, Diabolique. of course of course um of course. also we were just watching a simple favor and they fully <laughs> reference, reference this are you movie. trying to diabolique me <laughs> <laughs> that french movie <laughs> Which is great. Uh, so, spoilers ahead. If you have not seen Psycho or haven't seen it in a while. Or somehow don't know some of the <laughs> bigger plot points. Right. Here's a brief-ish synopsis. During a lunchtime tryst in a Phoenix, Arizona hotel, real estate secretary Marion Crane and her boyfriend Sam Loomis discuss how they cannot afford to get married because of Sam's debts. After lunch, Marion returns to work when a client leaves a $40,000 cash payment on a property. And this guy, well, my thought was like, wow, I only remembered there being two deaths, two kills in this film, but there, we almost had a third one because as, as this cow, this rootin' tootin', rootin' tootin' rustle of a cowboy, uh, hit this man, Larry, I am dying of thirsteroony. We both leapt for oh, our notebooks. Cackling, cackling. Just, I was like, we are both writing down. Thirsteroony. By Thirsteroony. I have written what a line. next to that. We stand a Yee-ha. character actor. Oh, loved yeah. it. Loved it. I do have one yeah. more note. I looked up because they keep talking about $40,000. But, you know, I was like, what? How much is that today? So $40,000 in 1960 has the purchasing power today yeah. of $351,240.54. And I was like, okay, that is a... I mean, not $40,000 is a lot of money, but for everyone to just be like losing their minds over it, Uh, it's like, no, no, no. 350k is a tremendously life changing amount of money. Right. I get why you might be like, I could take that to the (laughs) bank or I could abscond to my boyfriends. Right. Okay. It's. I'm, it's I, you know what it's a risk but I gotta take it I'm gonna steal this four hundred dollars and go on the lamb uh no it is a lot of money yeah. It's, yeah 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 absolutely 
Marion's boss asks her to deposit the money in the bank and allows her to leave early after she complains of a headache. But once home, she decides to steal the money and drive to Sam's home in Fairvale, California. I don't think she ever decided to take it to the bank because she should have taken it to the bank and gone home. And we true. never see her on the way home thinking about it. We see her thinking a lot this movie. So I think she yeah. like got that and was like, I mean, I think she immediately fake, faked that headache yes. with uh, Alfred Hitchcock's daughter as Pat, uh, Pat Patricia as the, Hitchcock. Oh, so funny. She's great. Those huge eyes and just right. Because well, it's like, oh, that cowboy's flirting with he you. Was yeah, flirting he, with you. He must have seen my wedding ring. He, was, he must have seen my ring. <laughs> so good. En route to Fairvale, Marion stops her car on the side of the road and falls asleep. She's awakened the next morning by a highway patrol officer who starts to follow her after she acts suspiciously. She does herself zero favors. Oh, it yeah. is a thousand percent her fault that this faceless cop, which I think they do a great job of just being like he never takes off his aviators oh, yeah. so you, he he's like the face of like an entity you know <laughs> rather than like this this guy right. you know it's just like she's am i free to go well then this it's like just calm down just be like oh my gosh i'm i'm disoriented because i fell asleep it's not like i've committed a crime or stolen forty thousand dollars or anything <laughs> I, I swear i swear ha, ha, ha. that'd be hilarious wouldn't it if i stole forty thousand yes. dollars instead what a hilarious of, uh, joke. uh uh uh, gotta go. Knock, knock. Who's there? Not $40,000 because I stole it. Just kidding. Okay, gotta go. Bye-bye. <laughs> gotta go immediately. Swap my car in for another. Nothing suspicious about that. Nothing to see. As he's just like staring across the street. It's like, okay, I'm going to get this new license plate I number know, off you. I know, but at that point, she's like already in you know like right what do you do at that point? what do you do what do you do um i mean you i feel like you got to try to ditch him and then you get rid of the car you know yeah uh, anyway but she thought she'd done that she yeah, she yeah. he turned off at another exit yeah uh she stops at yeah she stops at an auto dealership trades in her car and then during a rainstorm marion stops for the night at the bates motel and hides the stolen money inside a newspaper and she is 15 miles outside of the town she's trying to go to because she just pulled off too early because she couldn't see. She's so close. Oh, I, didn't, I never, I didn't clock that. She's that's, 15 miles Fairvale away. Fairvale is the town she's trying to go to and that's oh. why he's like, oh, well, uh, you know, or there's diner up in Fairvale. She's like, I'm uh, 15 miles. She's like, oh my, that close oh, to Fairvale. So it's like course. even more tragic that she's yeah. so close. You're so close to your boyfriend. Why didn't you just well, because Go it was raining so hard, she legit well, couldn't see. You know what? That's a good point. Fair enough. Fair enough. Once it That's stopped true. raining, she was already in the room. I, I can yeah. see. And yeah, she'd yeah, already yeah. decided to make a life change. So I can yeah. see why she was like, I'm here. Well, yeah. And then it was like, I'm going to drive back. It's like, well, she changes her mind. Of course, of course, yeah. of course. So that's why I'm going to go in the morning. I see. I see. The proprietor, Norman Bates, invites her for dinner after check-in. She accepts this invitation, but overhears an argument between Norman and his mother about bringing a woman into their gothic home. Great acoustics. Great. Uh, yeah. In the house and the way they carry to the motel. No Norman uh, is clearly classically trained. Deeply. <laughs> I mean, he's doing a double roll. Well, and the the pinginess of the placement for the mother. Oh, that pinging you know, placement. Really, Norman, like it carries. Mm. Oh, it's so good. Uh, the gothic home, which sits perched above the motel. Instead, uh, Marion and Norman eat in the motel parlor where he tells that with all those stuffed birds. Cuckoo. Hoo -hoo. Cuckoo. Her last name is Crane. Crane. Ooh, put her up in the ball. Uh, where he tells her about his life with his mother, who forbids him to have a life apart from her. Marion decides to drive back to Phoenix in the morning to return the stolen money. After doing some calculations for how much money she has to pay back after having used part of it to buy the new car. And did she also use the cash to check into the hotel? He didn't make her pay. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Right, right, right. But she had, she had like the 700 and then 700, clearly maybe it also yeah. paid some for gas or something because there's more than one number on the Oh, the there tab. is. I, I wasn't paying attention to that. Uh, but that's because that was like, 
I was too busy thinking. I was like, did you really need to write this down? Of like forty thousand dollars minus seven hundred is. I owe. Hold on, carry the two and multiply <laughs> I by. I guess I owe. What is well, X? Well, that's seven hundred dollars. Okay, well, what's X in this algebra equation? Or oh wow, I guess that's thirty-seven thousand. Uh, wow, yes, yes. Invisible or 30, numbers. not 37,000. Wow, I just botched that. Um, <laughs> math, not our strong math, suit. Math, not my strong suit. But then she tears up the paper and flushes it down the toilet. History. History is made, folks. The first toilet shown on camera. Yeah. I love that Hitchcock was like, I'm just going to get in this subversion wherever I can. Also, being an Englishman, yeah. they're a lot less fussy about scatological humor than we are oh sure sure so i'm sure he's just like we're gonna do this sure. it could have been the writer or that might be i don't know if that's a plot point in the no, book that was i know that you know it's hitchcock hitchcock I know was that hitchcock obsessed was, no just toilets. the hitchcock <laughs> <laughs> no i just know that he was the one who was like i want to i want this in yeah. because i that's like a first that we can i do. became a director so I could put a toilet on screen. In 1929, <laughs> I thought I could do the first British talky blackmail, but what I was more interested in was being the first flushing toilet. As a young boy at the theater, every time I would say to mummy and daddy, where's the toilets? I just want the toilets. Well, you think about like someone who, because he started as a, like doing drawing title sequences because he wanted to be an architect so mm. it was like really good like at drafting that sort of thing so he started out in the studios i've, I've finished title my design cards. for this building it's nothing but toilets <laughs> uh no bed 18 bath 18 toilets you're welcome. <laughs> I'm being fired as an architect what? i don't i'll go to the <laughs> cinema where i'm wanted um Yes. So he started out doing title sequences and then became a director kind of by accident because it was a silent film area. And I was like, era. And everyone was like, hey, yo, you'll do this. Oh, yeah, yeah, you do. I can do that. And so then, yes, he came up through the studio system, like went over to Hollywood in the 40s, you know, and it was just like so restrictive then like once the Hayes code came in you know like you you watch a movie like notorious and it is notorious mm -hmm. for having like one of the longest screen kisses of all time in uh, in the way in which like they manipulate it because you couldn't kiss for longer than three seconds right. during the Hayes code but like they're like clinging to one another but it's like he was very um because he was yeah, a subversive guy yeah. he was very interested in like okay how how what's the furthest i can get away with right and he did that in many many films so it's like yeah well why wouldn't you do that in this where it's like i can make it a plot point i have a whole murder taking place in a bathroom we should probably show a toilet let's do it the only reason it's in black and white is because that's the only way they let me show a toilet it's le less scandalous if a toilet is in black and white they didn't want to see it was pink porcelain oh thank you for interviewing me in uh Flush magazine. I mean, all you toilet enthusiasts. I want up to date. What's the newest, most high tech toilets? Well, I can tell you, this is just an average run of the mill toilet in Psycho, but you still need to see it with your own two eyes. There is an 
uh, like a trailer that is just Hitchcock going through. Not, not a trailer, but like a commercial for <laughs> the movie. Here is the toilet no, you see in the film. I'm not <laughs> kidding. He like goes and like, this is the cabin where something happens, you know, and then he goes into the bathroom. Does it happen like, in the bed? Maybe. Does it happen in the shower? No, but he goes Maybe. into the bathroom Does and he's like, on ooh, something not so pleasant happened here. He's like, and then he gestures to the toilet. He's like, but I forget exactly what, but it's one of those things that, because also like this was like in the era of Alfred Hitchcock Presents, so he was a very yeah. well-known TV personality right, right. by this point time in that kind of quirky way where it's like oh you're creepy but funny and uh that's the whole style of this like ad i re- I recommend you look it up it's like so it's also such a throwback to how things used to be advertised i know it's like great. i'm taking you on a tour of cabin one at the bates motel <laughs> the last time that i can recall a movie trailer where they let the direct it's just the director talking to the camera <laughs> is uh Stephen King's single directorial film oh, uh, debut, no. uh, Maximum Overdrive. This and they is him never again. Coked out of his mind, looking at the camera, just being like, oh man, if you think it was scary with me right and just wait until I get to direct. Oh, Maximum Overdrive, where... Where do you begin? Cars <laughs> come to life. Uh, Emilio Estevez <laughs> versus truck. Uh, Marion decides to take a shower and a shadowy figure stabs her to death, which... Wow, what a what a quick way to one of the most famous films of cinema, scenes. Of okay, cinema. she's she's soaping up her arms. She's she, she's, she's washing the hair. her sins away. She's, she's having her like sins a moment away. of like cleansing on a soul level. We get that great shot of, like directly into the shower head where they had to build like a a gigantic yeah. shower head to just so it wouldn't hit the camera so the water mm-hmm. just sprays around it which is hilarious just to think of this like giant 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 shower head. No, i love like imagine when you're like oh yeah when they have to build those props either giant or teeny tiny for that forced perspective yep. i always love um i love seeing behind the scenes of stuff like that um yes and then a figure a silhouetted figure with that looks like uh, an elderly woman pulls the curtain aside and uh, stabs the her. screeching violins of Bernard Herrmann. Which were originally not supposed to be there. Hitchcock originally envisioned it with no score. Yes, and then, that's right. And then Bernard Herrmann was like, I'm going to put it in anyway, and then you tell me you don't want it. And he was like, mm, I was wrong. It's the one like, time I was wrong in my career. If you hired Bernard Herrmann to well, yeah. do your score, he's oh, like, he's probably going to be score. able to be like, I-, I got a little something you might want to hear. <laughs> exactly. Um but uh, yeah, she, she's dead. That was our hero, folks, and she's dead. Fifty <laughs> minutes in, and then that great like long take, pulling away from her eye to be like, "Is oh. she good? No, ah, uh, and she's well, dead." Just, just watching it, picturing the like the dumb dad that brought his kids and was like, "Don't worry, kids, she's about to open her eyes. They ain't, it's Janet Lee. She's the star of the movie. They ain't gonna kill her any nope. second. I don't know about this. Stop. You're crying any minute now. It's like all the families that took their kids to see Dark Knight Rises, and then they make you think that Batman dies. And <laughs> I had my one friend who had brought her, her brought her son and was like, I just, no one, how was I supposed to know that they're going to make you think Batman's dead for like t- 12 minutes? They, they like, he, he always sacrificed himself. Oh, now Michael Caine's going to go cry over his grave. <laughs> and then finally, it's going to be him like, I just... I just ducked out to France and hanging out with Anne Hathaway. I just didn't want to be Batman no more. But for like 10, 12 minutes, her kid is just Sobbing weeping. Oh, no. Weeping. And it's like, oh, poor dears. Dad, is she really dead? Oh, no. I'm sure she's going to break out of this car trunk any second now. It's okay, kid. She deserved it. She no. stole money and slept with someone out of wedlock, which is how we know she deserved to be stabbed to death in, a, in an anonymous motel. But, Dad, you steal money and you slept now with someone listen, out of wedlock. Listen. Hey, 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 hey. This is fiction, which is why people get punished. 
after seeing blood, Norman panics and runs to Marion's room where he discovers her body. He cleans up the crime scene, putting Marion's corpse, including, unbeknownst to him, the stolen money, into the trunk of her car and sinking it in the swamps near the motel. MacGuffin! Gone! Boom! Yes, him... <laughs> Because this movie's 1960, him him cleaning up that all the blood with the mop, just take, taking their time, taking their time with him cleaning up. I just imagined the deleted <laughs> Mad Men scene where they're pitching some cleaning product of uh, with you know Don, Don Draper having a pitch. It's like it's baits bubbles. It's not just a cleaning product. It shows that you care about your loved ones enough to cover for them for murder. Baits bubbles. You'll go psycho over it. Oh, no! <laughs> Damn! You'll go psycho over it. Oh, brother. Your kids will go nuts for Bates Bubbles. A week later, Marion's sister Lila arrives in Fairvale and confronts Sam about Marion's whereabouts. Private investigator Milton Arbogast approaches them and confirms that Marion is wanted for theft. Arbogast traces the local motels and discovers that Marion spent a night at the Bates Motel. He questions Norman, whose stammering and inconsistent answers arouse suspicion, as does Norman's refusal for Arbogast to speak with his mother. Arbogast updates Sam and Lila about his search for Marion and promises to phone again soon. He goes to the Bates' home in search of Norman's mother, and at the top of the stairs, a shadowy figure stabs him to death. Which, that's, it's so good how that's framed, because it just comes out of nowhere. So oh, gr- yeah. That great well, overhead shot. it's such a long, because it's, it's not, it doesn't start as an overhead shot. It follows him up the stairs and then kind of like swings up. Right. And then it's an overhead shot, and then, ba-bam! And then he just stands in front of that little projection as he waves his arms, pretending to fall down the stairs. <laughs> I thought they had him in like a in a thing. No, it's just oh, okay. it's just him standing because they do the same thing in the remake. And William H Macy was like, I- "I'm happy to throw myself down this flight of stairs." And Gus Van Sant was like, "No, no, 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 no we're doing shot, this exactly. If it we it needs to look bad, we just because we have the technology die, to make it look better. We don't want it to look better. We want it to look the bad, same William. because that's that is what we call innovation." Is doing things exactly the same for no reason. Uh, when Lila and Sam do not hear from Arbogast, Sam visits the motel. Sam sees a figure in the house who he assumes is Mrs. Bates, but she ignores him. Lila and Sam visit the local deputy sheriff who informs them that Mrs. Bates died in a murder-suicide ten years ago. Ooh. Ooh great, two great character actors <laughs> Oh, right they're here. so good. The sheriff, conclu- which in the remake, the sheriff at least is Philip Baker Hall, which is like, I love when Philip Baker Hall pops mm. up at things. One of the best old grouchy man character actors. Uh, the sheriff concludes that Arbogast lied to Sam and Lila so he could pursue Marion and the money. Norman carries his mother from her room and hides her in the fruit cellar. Convinced- no, no, I won't go to that dirty fruit cellar. Put me Norman. down. I can walk. <laughs> Norman. Norman. <laughs> Convinced that some ill has befallen Arbogast, Lila and Sam drive to the motel where they pretend to be a married couple and find a scrap of the paper Marion had tried to flush down the toilet. Not just a scrap of paper, the scrap that says $40,000. Yes, 40000 Well, that proves that she was here, which is also like they knew she was there. That's not part of the... And that's what he says as he tucks it into his billfold. He's like... Right. Bates never denied she was here. That's true. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, although another great, uh, another exclusive for a Flush magazine. We got another <laughs> sighting of the toilet in cycle, ladies and gentlemen. We thought it would only be the one, but we the we snuck in another toilet plot sighting. Plot point. Plot point. Plot point. Plot point. And for our segment of toilet time, this gets a ten out of ten flushes. Oh my. 
at the motel, Sam distracts Norman and Lila sneaks inside the house. Norman becomes agitated and assaults Sam. Yeah, no wonder. Because I gotta say, I understand he is legit trying to get information from this guy. But I think the first... He's so the, bad at it. He's so bad. He's so heavy-handed. I thought the first <sighs> idea was like... We're just gonna like I'll distract him and you go in there and see if you can talk well, to her. But he, instead, he he's like he thinks he killed his lover, so it. he's he's too hot headed. But he's he too, just he's, he's grills him. Yeah. Well, it's just like well, it was a nice uh, nice setup you got here. Uh, but I I bet you'd rather have like a nice like a bigger hotel somewhere like on the highway. I don't know how much you'd need for that. Maybe like forty thousand dollars. Was it forty thousand dollars? I love how confused Norman <laughs> is by it too, because he's like I legit he has no idea. He's no idea about don't know what right. you're talking about. It means nothing to me. Uh, Norman assaults Sam Lila hides in the fruit cellar where she discovers that Mrs. Bates has turned into a mummified corpse after hearing (laughs) Lila scream maybe it's more like where it is revealed that Mrs. Bates has in fact been dead and a mummified corpse all along not just like she went to the fruit cellar and poof she's a mummy Norman didn't do a bippity boppity boo and she's like woo she's a mummified corpse Uh, (laughs) Well, Norman turned her into a mummified corpse. After hearing Lila scream, Norman, wearing his mother's clothes and a wig, runs to the cellar with a knife. Sam regains consciousness just in time and manages to subdue him. And then, for like (sighs) 80 minutes, a psychiatrist explains to Lila and Sam that Norman murdered Mrs. Bates and her lover 10 years ago out of jealousy. Unable to bear the guilt, he stole her corpse and began to treat it as if she were still alive. He recreated his mother in his own mind as an alternate personality. This quote-unquote mother personality is as jealous and possessive as Mrs. Bates was while alive. Whenever Norman feels attracted to a woman... Mother kills her. As mother, Norman also killed two young girls before killing Marion and Arbogast. Also, I mean, in general, it, this is like an impossible task for an actor because this... It is. I feel bad for the guy. Yeah. But I do. I did love that one exchange where Lila is like, did he kill my sister? And he goes, yes. And no. Which so I would be like, is she, so is she dead? Right, is, is she still alive? Yes. In the sense that she's alive in our hearts, but no. No, in the, in sense, the sense that she's, she's dead. a corpse. Yes. <laughs> so, so like he, so he killed her in the shower. Yes, and no. It's she was also, technically hanging halfway out of the shower. Just like this is a psychiatrist. <laughs> this is someone who you would think would be more delicate with, like, oh, I have this really upsetting news. Maybe I'll deliver it to in in its full lengthy form to i don't know the lawyers right but like break it a little more gently to the woman's kin right i mean really you would there's multiple people involved in this it wouldn't be just this one guy going through all of this spiel but hitch is like whatever finishes this as fast as humanly possible we've got to get through we've got to get through this this is literally i'm gonna die of thirst a rooney over here <laughs> i need a drink to get through the scene oh, what if that guy came back and i wish out. he yeah. did i couldn't believe he didn't come back i wish well they had some vo but you know oh what, what when she's in the car yeah well no i mean come back to... she was even flirting with me yeah but just to be like she stole my root and tootin money and just him showing up at the basement tell i have him he could die as well he shows up and like i want my money and throw him down some stairs or whatnot or you just don't give him any drinks and then he dies of thirst oh poor guy poor guy while norman sits in a jail cell mother's voiceover protests that the murders were norman's doing and that she wouldn't hurt a fly and the I'll film... just sit oh, here. So I hope they're watching. Then they'll see. I don't even she spot that fly. fly. And the film ends with Marion's car being towed from the swamp. 
The casting director of Psycho was an uncredited Jer Henshaw. This was Henshaw's only credit as a casting director, as they were primarily a production manager, having worked on such films as Harry and Tonto, The Towering Inferno, and The Amityville Horror. So let's not the Ryan Reynolds. Surprisingly, not the Ryan Reynolds mm. uh, remake, but the original with uh, James Brolin. Mm. I, I always want to say Josh Brolin, or no. like I always want to mix up Josh Brolin and James Brolin. Uh, but no, 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 with his old dad. This is dear old dad. Uh, now let's move on to some of the actors who were almost cast and some of these people may have auditioned some may have just been discussed by casting this is all a little subjective and as always I have looked up all the actors in advance and Amy Jo is hearing it along with you listener for the very first for time for the very first time although this is clearly the film that Amy Jo is known best of the ones we've done in terms of That's trivia true. so we'll I see. will say it's not like um, mm-hmm. there there are certain films where I there's more of that because Hitchwood was a lot more vocal about like really wanting different actors and strangers on a train for instance so like mm, this yeah. one i don't remember so much gotcha 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 well let's see uh so let's start with lila the uh marion's sister amy joe your thoughts on vera miles and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else so vera miles uh, is fine in this movie i do think we were talking about how we didn't love her in this film the other day but i i will say that also like this was someone who hitchcock was trying to like remake uh since grace kelly had left to go marry uh prince albert of monaco and she, I think it was during this film or shortly after, like, got pregnant, like, by her husband, much, uh, much to Hitch's dismay. I can tell you exactly. This was before, because Hitchcock had previously cast her in The Wrong Man in 1956, and he wanted to cast her in Vertigo in 58, mm. but she had to turn it down due to pregnancy. Mm, okay. Well, number one, we got Kim Novak uh, giving an uh, indelible yeah. performance and she is magnificent in right. that. But I, I will say that also Hitchcock was notorious for not being the easiest to work with with regards to actors. Gawa. Gawa. Huh? So um, I do also wonder if part of her performance being not so great might be also part of a not so great onset working environment. Yeah, I mean it's also in turn. Well, I was gonna say it's also in terms of the script, but I feel like there's enough there for like an there's actor totally to really dig there. into. There's... But she she apparently she reportedly was not happy making this film. She thought that Hitchcock was punishing her for having to drop right. out of Vertigo yes. by giving her an unflattering wardrobe that made her look matronly. Oh, I think she looks beautiful. Well, but, she was know. designed by Edith Head, so, you know. Get over it. Get over it. Though she would also return for Psycho 2 in 1983. Well, Hitchcock didn't direct Psycho 2. Well, I know. Two. I'm aware. But it's still, I, they're like the two that came back for the sequel, yeah. her and Anthony Perkins, which yeah. I thought was interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, who would you uh, cast if you had to Yeah, cast I don't know. Well, we talked a bit, too, about like how really with, with the, you, you have like the two sisters, right? And, yeah. And it's basically like... They're never in scenes together. One is on screen, then she dies. We have like a 10 minute hiatus and then the next one is on screen. So you could have Janet Lee in a dual role. That would be amazing. I think it'd be great. But we also Just said- slap a, a different hairstyle on her and some glasses and call it a day. But we also talked about like, you know what you really want is like, well, ideally you have people who can act in all roles, but you want like your star, your big star mm. name as Marion. And then you want like a really like bang up actor. Yeah. Yeah. So as, I was like, Lila, yeah. okay. Totally, totally. Like thinking about that, I'm like, I mean, she was too old by this point, but like Barbara Stanwyck is mm. like great actor. She's going to come and she's not going to yeah. let anybody off the hook. Totally. She's going to find out what happened to her sister. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Um, in a more contemporary setting, someone who I think would slay is Carrie Coon. 
Yeah. Who is She's just so good. So good at acting. Always incredible. Yeah. Like seeing her in Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, which is really where mm. she exploded for on a lot Broadway. of people yeah, on Broadway. Yeah, yeah. I was like, who I is know. this? Because well, normally Honey right. is the most, not throwaway part, but mm-hmm. it's not usually done very yeah. well. And she was unreal. Well, her as getting cast as Ben Affleck's sister in Gone Girl. That was like the real. Right. Like, I, it, like this is a big, big movie. And no one yeah maybe if you've seen her in some the new york theater scene but like that was like wild yeah, or the chicago she was a chicago yeah, actor of course you know? yeah you're right you're right totally right um, um but she's so good i mean she's so good in gone girl so she was so good in season three of fargo i mean she's great mm-hmm. in everything i've seen yeah um, totally yeah so maybe I think that's, that's, great that's actually fun which is not at all but maybe you have um i mean that they're not it's not the same like makeup of relationships mm-hmm. as in Gone Girl, but if you have like Rosamund Pike oh, as Marion and great. Carrie Coon yeah. as as I was gonna say as Vera as Lila <laughs> as Lila, like yeah. I'm into that. That's I mean Rosamund cool. Pike in general is Marion. We'll get we'll get into Marion. We absolutely but will. But I'm, like I'm, I'm, I'm into that. I think it is. You know, with, with some of the films we do, it does make sense to kind of talk about them at the same times, especially when it's like even though they We're never siblings, share screen yeah. time, they are still siblings. Yeah, and and my my next choice does uh, also uh, kind of kind of do that. I thought if we're thinking about like star and then actor, mm-hmm. um, having again as Marion having someone like Halle Berry and then Audra McDonald playing her sister, Ooh. like Audra is someone who like people who don't know Broadway mainly only know from the practice, but yeah. like she's one of our finest actors, you know, yeah. and someone who's going to come in and like yeah. be relentless in a way that you still like. You need someone who is haunted by like what True. happened to my sister. Of course. Oh, I'm I'm like if Halle Berry and like I'm thinking now like the remake. So I'm like 1998 mm. Halle Berry's Marion with like Regina King as Lila. Mm-hmm. Or or you have as Marion Vanessa Williams and put Halle oh. Berry oh. as Lila. Yeah, it all works. Um, my thought I was like 1998. Give me that Tony Collette. Oh, always, any, any, and anytime. I mean, it's, it's Julianne Moore. Once again, we neither of us have seen this remake. I can't imagine we ever will, unless no. we do it on the podcast, because there were quite a few people up for it. But no. I highly, highly, we, we'll check back in five years, y'all. If we're still here in five years, we'll think about doing Psycho for the, another uh, spooky Halloween uh, lineup. But uh, I highly doubt it. Yeah. Amy Jo will take a hiatus. If Amy Jo is like, I can't be here this one week in October. I'm out. I will, it'll be a solo show of me talking Psycho. <laughs> Where I'll just, I'll, we'll just release the same episode again because it'll be a shot for shot episode talking about oh, Psycho. No. Um, <laughs> that was a dumb joke, and I'm keeping it in. Um, <laughs> yeah, Tony Collette. Oh, uh, speaking of, I think Vera Farmiga would actually be really good. Oh, that's good in this role. Yes, because that's a great part. Yeah, it's in some ways uh, like uh, you. It, uh, yes, Marion is a bigger part, and there's more close ups and more like she has like this big. It's the arc. flashier role, but Lila is. A, a big role you Lila could like that's the kind of thing like in a contemporary right yeah. movie that's a best supporting actress nomination yeah, yeah. but I mean of course. if someone's good at it well yeah if someone's good at yeah. it yeah and the other person where I was like also a great actor never really became a star Alison Pill that's a great selection yeah I approve why thank you you're welcome <laughs> Uh, so let's get into it. Here are some of the actors who were up for right. Lila. Uh, off the bat, we had Felicia Farr, who I know best from being in the original 310 to Yuma in the late 50s, mm-hmm. uh, was in some other stuff, but I'm not hugely familiar with, and I'll, and I'll say off the bat, folks, with listeners at home, um, what, if, if you're someone like me, you might not have heard of many of these people, 
so we'll go a little quicker, but there's some there's some indelible classic films that some of these actors were in, so it's why they're also worth mentioning, because you'll be like, oh my god, he's the dad of that movie that I watched one billion times as a child. Um, or you might be one of our older listeners and being like, Felicia Farr, she was in so many classic um, films. Duh! In which case, apologies that I'm a, a couple of uh, whatever the term is i want to say luddite that's not at all right no no um there's just a couple of people that don't have the full appreciation for some of these actors all these people i was like oh they have multiple oscar nominations good for them for movies i've never heard mm-hmm. of actors mm-hmm. i've never heard of um but carolyn jones was considered who some might know as morticia in the 60s uh-huh. adams family show she's also in the man who knew too much uh as oh. sydney fontaine what, do you know the first one or the second one? I'm assuming the second one. The the James Stewart one. Yes, okay. Jimmy Stewart one. Yes, uh, Sidney Fontaine. Uh, Hitchcock famously Hitchcock, remade yes, yes. his own film. Uh, which is why his daughter didn't really have a problem with the 1998 remake. Even though it's still very different. Yeah. She was still like, eh, dad wouldn't have cared. That would have been flattered. He totally wouldn't yeah. have. Yeah, he was very unprecious with a lot of that. As stuff. long as that toilet is in there, I'm happy. <laughs> ten out of ten flushes for me. Flush magazine update we've seen the 1998 remake don't worry they kept in the toilets <laughs> although the movie is stunk so we're only giving it seven out of ten flushes uh and she's in the 1950s version of invasion of the body snatchers ah. which i not seen that 70s version is great with donald sutherland and jeff goldblum but uh she's in quite a few things not things I've really seen. I've seen The Man Who Too Much, but I only saw it once a while ago, and I do not remember her. I mainly remember uh, Doris Day singing her heart I mean, Case of Rust. I mean, and that's another way we like, how do I take the right. thing this actor's most known for and put mm-hmm. it directly into the plot so that we get to put it in here? Yeah. But it makes sense. I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That just made me really want, because, I mean, she won the Oscar for playing Edith Piaf. If they'd let Marion Cotillard be singing the Piaf in an Inception. Ah! <laughs> It wouldn't make sense, but it'd be delightful. Um, Eleanor Parker, who's probably best known as Baroness in Sound of Music. Yes, indeed. Oh, that's actually a great choice. She has more like natural status, I think. She, I, well, I don't actually know how tall she is, but also that Sam Loomis is so tall. I be- yeah. Well, I believe he's like six two or six three. You know, um, but so she seems so wee. Right. Um, but the Baroness. Uh, but I mean, she's got that great. That's the person. I mean. <laughs> Apologies if you find this offensive, listener, but you kind of want a Karen in this role. You want a Karen to be like, can I speak to your manager? You do. You murdered bit. my sister. Yeah. You need some, someone like Amy Ryan, another great like character. Oh, that's great. Actress yes, that's like. Exactly. Uh, did you just need like the actor? But you need someone that's like, I'm I'm a, the dog with a bone. You need someone that's like, my sister is missing. And I'm not letting this go. Right. And it can be, I'm either going to find out who killed her or I'm going to find her and smack her for stealing this money and putting me through this ringer of, of, of like of doing this to my heart of doing this to me yeah um and I think that she'd actually be a, I mean only really knowing her from Sound of Music I think but she's like she's a good iconic pick. in right. that right uh and finally Kim Stanley oh hey now there's an actor <laughs> she sure is noted okay. actors studio legend two-time academy award nominee was offered the role but turned it down due to and I could not, I searched so hard, I could not find why, but turned it down due to personal reservations about working with Anthony Perkins. I don't know what Interesting. those could be. Well, he had worked a lot on Broadway up to this point and in New York, so. But in terms of like, I don't know anything about him of like being like, whatever, any rumors of him being like, oh yeah, you don't want to work with Anthony Perkins. He will, he will steal your candy corn and eat all Gosh, of it. Gosh, I don't know. I mean, he I, loves other corn. than like, at, at this I mean, point, he'd only had like gay relationships, but mm-hmm. like. Oh, I mean, do you think it was that? Do you think that she was just like homophobic? I don't know, but if you're working in New York in the theater, 
good luck. Even yeah. <laughs> in the fifties, you know, like you're all, yeah. oh, I refuse to work with anyone who's, who's a homosexual. You're not going to be in show business. It could, or it could be something completely different. They should, whatever. He could have snubbed her at a party. He could have yeah. been a real, he could have been drunk and a been like, so and so. I'll never work with you. Kim. If I'm ever in a movie, Kim Stanley and you get offered it, I'm gonna just belch over all your lines. <laughs> I'm gonna flush your script down the toilet. <laughs> flush magazine. What's that? What's that? Toilet? Toilet talk? Um, let's move on to Sam Loomis, which always, because Sam Loomis, <laughs> I mean, just real quick, Halloween, they cast Jamie Lee Curtis in large part because she's Janet yes. Lee's daughter, and yes. they wanted to make that direct reference to Psycho, but also that is Donald Pleasance's character's name in Halloween, Sam Loomis, the guy hunting Michael Myers. And because Halloween has one billion sequels, it's so hard to, oh. even if this film is held in higher regard. That character. The character is still named Sam Loomis. It's like whatever. It's like if if, if the sister's name was Clarice Starling. You're, you're like, yeah. but, yeah. and then you, well, we'll just name her Clarice Starling as a reference to Psycho. It's crazy to me in retrospect to like name Donald. So I also just now picture Donald Pleasance. As this Sam Loomis, as mm. Donald, tiny old, beautifully egg-shaped Donald Pleasant. I have no reference for what for you're Donald Pleasant. Well, certainly not uh, for Halloween. Well, Bridge on the River Kwai. I mean, Donald oh. Pleasant has like been in so many things. Well, um, the name's familiar, okay. but you know. Um, okay, I I just showed Amy Joe a picture of him, which jogged her memory slightly. But also, I was so wrong. Not Bridge on the River Kwai. The Great Escape. That's the large ensemble war film from around that time <laughs> that i was mistaking uh but yeah so it's so it's hilarious to me to think i mean a guy that looks like he could have played hitchcock to imagine him Absolutely. as sam loomis um but what are your thoughts on john gavin and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else i think the look is great i mean if you could have just had him leave the film after that first scene Perfect. when he's shirtless and just have him be replaced by a puppet by any literally anything else would be great the poor guy i mean it's just i i ugh. it's it's also like there was that style back in the day of like just like under emotionalizing things and it's like i get it because in psycho their emotions are not the important thing their emotions yeah. drive them to do things but it's like we don't need like a long weepy take of them trying to figure out what's going no. on but i would like to know something <sighs> a little something um one thing I found out this actor, um, oh, I, I did not write down uh, his non stage name, like his actual name. Oh, okay. but it's uh, Juan. Uh, I, I remember that it was it was Juan, not John. And uh, he is of Mexican, Chilean and Spanish descent. But he he like comes across as like the most like square cut American good old boy that who, there is. Who are you talking about right now? The guy John who Gavin. plays John Gavin. Oh, okay. Sorry. Well, I thought you were talking about someone that you would cast. No, no, I, I no. didn't understand what you no, were saying. No, no, no. This actor who seems like the most clean scrubbed, right. I played yeah. rugby in the Midwest kind of guy. Uh -huh. um, I mean, he's like a fifth generation Angelino, but I just thought that that was very oh. interesting and also being Wild. like, in order to succeed in 1960s Hollywood, and you look like that and you can pass, like you, you're going to change your name to John Gavin and you're going to play like as American as possible. Yeah. Well, I mean, you've got James, James Rodé Rodriguez oh, from I know, Psych I know, and a million, I know. Like, million Little Pieces. It's now finally is like, I'm going to take my fake name of Rodé and hyphen it with my real name Rodriguez. I don't blame this guy him. one oh, yeah, yeah. bit. Well, I just mean, I just mean if this is happening today oh yeah the no, 1960 i just find it interesting because this guy also like w what he does in this film to mm. me is the most like 
like he apparently was signed to his studio as like the next Rock Hudson. Oh, like, sure. like apparently they like to um, bring in younger people that are reminiscent of like the big star to kind of make sure that the star doesn't like get lazy and complacent. Uh. So they were like billing him as the next Rock Hudson. He works for the same studio mm. Hudson was at. But that kind of like, hi there, I'm here to be good looking. Hello. You know, <laughs> um, which he does that quite well. Sure. If this is contemporary, this is legit what I have written in my book. I say one of the Chris's. <laughs> I don't know which one. I don't think it much matters. You, uh-huh. But you know what I mean. One of the Chris's. You got a Hemsworth or a Pine. Even a Latter-day Pratt, oh, you know? I don't know. Pratt, I can't buy Pratt I in don't any kind of dramatic. it matters. Is Here's the saying. thing, though. I think it could. Similar to the sister, if this guy it is like, the woman that good, I love yeah. is missing. An Evans, that's a Chris, you know? <laughs> it sure is. I was thinking, because in the 98 film, it's Viggo Mortensen, mm-hmm. which is uh, Fine, boring why? to me. It's weird. I don't know. 1998, I'm like, you know who I think is good? Both great actors, who I, who I think also very handsome men. Guy Pierce or Benicio del Toro. Ooh. Those are more interesting actors to me that are like, I'm also, I'm going to find out what's they're, what. They're more intense. And True. They're, and, but well, John Gavin's real intense when he's not supposed to be, when he's trying to just like, let me, don't worry, I'll uh, I'll keep him distracted. That's, that's not the my... actor. That's the lines. No, that but... is Sam Loomis. Not, he was supposed to go in and be like, hey, yo, how's they're it going? Still, you can still be saying like, um, how much do you think you need for that? Like, uh, like $40,000? Right, just you're right. to try to track like, if, if, if the actor is playing it to be like, I'm going to see, I'm trying to watch this guy and catch him out, opposed to like, I'm Superman. I'm going to save the day. It's not which a particularly imaginative take <laughs> on the role. Yeah. And um, I was like, I mean, he's too, this is like right as he's like exploding into being too big. Cause two years ago is kind of hot in the roof. But imagine a Paul Newman in this. Oh yeah. Cause I oh, mean, yeah. it's still bi- a big enough role that I think that you could, that you could be like, you could get Paul Newman for the, for Hitchcock to work with Alfred for Hitchcock. Sure. Oh yeah. And I he, mean, he did, he did a movie with Hitchcock like three years later. It was, a, it was a while later. Torn, oh, no, you right. It was in the Torn 70s. Curtain. It was like but either way, that's still, he is like the unequivocal lead of Torn Curtain. Yes. Opposed to this, where it's like you disappear for 40 minutes of the film. But in order to go work with Hitchcock, absolutely. Uh, Dididoy. Uh, you know who, I, I don't think because politics being what they were at the time, this actor would have been cast, but mm-hmm. who is the same age as Janet Lee, who is oh. wonderful, is Sidney Poitier. Oh. Like, that's someone who yeah. I know can act, that yeah. he cares right. about things and people. <sighs> Such a good actor. Such a good actor. Yeah. Um, uh, I highly doubt 1960 Hollywood would have allowed that to happen, unfortunately. Nope. But nope. Um, because I, I was also like made today. I was thinking of like, yeah, handsome actors, but who can also really freaking act. Alexander Skarsgard. That's a good pick. I mean, what we've seen from Big Little Lies. That's a really good pick. Uh, I, like he, I think, is actually a phenomenal actor. Or um, Yaya Abdul Mateen II, uh, who some people know from Aquaman. He was in Us. He just won an Emmy for Watchmen, and he's about to be in Candyman. Uh, he is an extremely handsome gentleman. He's also, I first saw him in uh, this episode of Black Mirror, Striking Vipers with Anthony Mackie, which are, I. he's so, so good. And if you've not, I would urge you to check that specific episode out, Striking Vipers, because uh, the two of them are fascinating in it. But he is an incredibly gorgeous man who's also just a phenomenal good at acting. Act- yeah, who I so that's someone who's like the woman I'm in love with is gone is like missing. I'm gonna find her. You know who my late '90s choice is, and this I yeah. am going to acknowledge up front is kind of stupid, um, <laughs> but still I find it enjoyable to think about. And that's John Stamos. <sighs> 
kind of stupid, but also uh, I kind of buy him as like the dumb lug of a uh, of a boyfriend. He's like, yeah, oh, oh, I didn't mean for that to happen. I didn't think to call her for a week. Uh, You're gonna murder my girlfriend in the shower? Cut it out. That's a Dave Coulier. Oh, it is. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't care. I don't want Dave Coulier anywhere near this movie. D- and Dave Coulier as Detective Arbogast. <laughs> Wait, no, it's a full Full House remake. Um, or, or Bob Saget or as, as Norman or Bates. Dave Coulier as uh, as Norman Bates because he does all the voices. He can do the voice of the mother. She'd be her oh, own like little Woody Woodchuck no. puppet. No, you don't like this idea of a Full House. It's terrible. One to one of uh, Bob Saget as, as the uh, psychiatrist at the end. John Stamos as uh, as uh, Sam Loomis. Yep. Yep. Um, Aunt Becky, uh, you know, if she's out of jail yet for her college fraud, she, if she was could there, be. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was 14 days. Or was that Felicity Huffman? Regardless. I think both of them, both of them, like, barely did anything. Yeah. Uh, I, anyway, I, I... yeah, so she's someone. She's in this movie. She stole money. <laughs> oh, Put her as Marion. Oh, the... <laughs> the motel is vacant, but the house is full. Oh. <laughs> I smell a mashup. You know, you just get Comet the dog in there running around, solve it. If Comet the dog is sniffing around at the swamp, we got, we got ourselves Arbogast. a movie. That's I mean, Arbogast. we oh, oh, Comet the dog is Arbogast the yep. dog. You're gonna yep. stab this dog? I'm not gonna stab the dog. Someone is. <laughs> Dave Coulier is gonna stab <laughs> this dog. <laughs> oh, so stupid. Uh, Universal apparently insisted on John Gavin, and Hitchcock would refer to him as the stiff. No. <laughs> All right, places, please, for mm, Janet Lee and the stiff. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he would just say that right to his face. I love that in a movie with multiple homicides and he's not he's one the of the stiff. ones that winds right, up a corpse. Right. Uh, so uh, Hitchcock's first choice, who he originally wanted, uh, was his actor Stuart Whitman, who was in The Comancheros with John Wayne, Night of the Lepus, which is that, like... <laughs> infamous horror film with giant bunny rabbits terrorizing people. Wow. Yeah. But then Hitchcock felt the intensity of an actor like Stuart Whitman would distract from the real stars of the story, mm. Anthony Perkins and Janet Leigh, which is interesting if that's the mindset, is yes. like, I don't want too dynamic of an actor. Because I want the star of the second half of the film to be Norman. Exactly. Which is, but I'm like, I think you can still do it both, where you still, you like, want them to find Marion, but you don't want Anthony Perkins. Yeah to get they just caught. need to be super um norm core and like be able to be like very real uh yeah. i guess uh, so i feel like a 1998 guy pierce is a really good choice yes. coming fresh off of la confidential oh yeah. oh yeah uh yeah 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 we had brian keith who most people will know is the dad in the parent trap oh it's the only thing i know him from oh my gosh uh, he's certainly a handsome gent this is just a big list of 1960 hunks Hulk. <laughs> hunkamania in 1960 um with this like an actor i actually know cliff robertson uh, who many will know as Uncle Ben in the Sam Raimi Spider-Man films. He's like very, his like latter-day uh, uh, fame was an Oscar winner in 1969 for Charlie, the movie oh. based on Flowers for Algernon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he had just been in Gidget the year before in 1959 oh, as Burt Vale, a.k.a. The Big Kahuna. And I looked at the poster and I got to say, uh, that's a perfect name for 1959 <laughs> Cliff Robertson as The Big Kahuna. Handsome, 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 handsome. And a great actor. So I'm like, please, please, Cliff Robertson would have been great. Yeah. Sorry, John Gavin. Um, we had Richard Basehart, who was Ishmael in the Gregory Peck Moby Dick and the narrator of the David Hasselhoff series, Knight Rider. 
I'm 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 speechless. Uh, so clearly he's got a great voice. Um, I've not watched any Night Rider or the Gregory Peck Moby Dick, so I can't really tell about Richard Bass Hart. But I can tell you about this next actor, Leslie Nielsen. <gasps> now, of course, because back in the day he was not a comedian. No, no, no. He was so so handsome. Have have you, Amy Joe? Have you seen any no, of his like I... early work as a? Nope. I'm well, showing. Show me more. Oh, yes. That's not what I would think no, he would have he, looked like. Yeah, he... He looks like a super, super young Vincent Price, kind of. Oh, interesting. Like, so a little bit, just in the same, like, they've got, like, a big face, and they're just kind of, like, people yeah. that, as they got older, really grew mm, into okay. their faces in a... I would say he looks like a slightly older Josh Charles. Yes. Also that. <laughs> Regardless. Also that. I mean, Leslie Nielsen, it's so funny because, I mean, he's so known for comedy, so known for Naked Gun and Airplane. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. But those he... were departures at the time. Oh, exactly. Exactly. And that's what he became so known for, for like that last half. So it's weird because I've not seen him in anything outside of right. Airplane and Naked so Gun. So imagine and... him in Psycho. Yeah, <laughs> in Psycho. is, But like, if he's in a film that big... I don't know. I, I is is there? Does that lead? Although I mean, it's not like John Gavin. It led to like anything for him, but it's also because he's arguably not, not, not good. great in this. Yeah. But if you have like a real, you know, I don't know. I don't know if in some cases you kind of get defined by this because for Janet Lee and Anthony Perkins, they became so known for oh, this yeah. and typecast by it. So it's not like Anthony Perkins could be like, okay, oh, I'm gonna go do Airplane now. <laughs> I mean, he could have, but it would have been a lot harder for him. He would have still been having to play on this. He would have been spoofing Psycho. Exactly. He, he would, yeah, exactly. He would have been like, someone's like knocking on the bathroom on the airplane and he opens it and he's like, yes. And, and then you look into the airplane bathroom and there's a full shower inside. Like, oh, never mind. I'll wait. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and finally, this actor, Rod Taylor, who I know best as Winston Churchill in Inglorious Bastards. He's in that one long scene where they introduce michael fassbender and mike myers is in terrible terrible old like weird makeup but he's also he's the male lead in the birds so yeah. he clearly would go on to be in that and he's the voice of pongo in 101 dalmatians that's excellent work <laughs> that's excellent work now instead of doing psycho in 1960 rod taylor was a the lead in the time machine playing H.G. Wells in the Time Machine adaptation, and he was in this movie that I want to see immediately, Amy Joe, called Colossus and the Amazon Queen. After the Trojan War, Glauco, played by Ed Fury, is the strongest man amongst the Greeks. His friend Pyrrho, Rod Taylor, meets two men who offer him a large sum of money to persuade Glauco to sail towards unexpected shores. Pyrrho accepts the proposal and convinces Glauco with a trick. He hits him on his head. <laughs> The ship lands at a strange place where Pyrrho and the other men aboard are drugged and find themselves in the hands of the Amazons. So, uh, I mean, those are unexpected shores, but it sounds like to a certain extent they had to chart a course for them. What's an unexpected shore? Maybe unex... I'm sorry, unexplored shores. That makes Is that not what I said? Sense. You said unexpected, and I was like, well, they sure, well, well he sure did not expect to get bopped in the head and exactly. wake up on these shores and be surrounded by all these Amazons. Only Glaco escapes, saved from the Egyptian inventor Sopho, and he falls in love with and. Antiope. Antiope? Antiope? Antiope. I forget. Only Glaco escapes, save for Antiope, between loves and duels, conspiracies and ruses, the pirates will bring together Amazons Whoever they and chooses. Greeks. <laughs> whoever they chooses. Between loves and duels, conspiracies and ruses, the pirates will bring together whoever, whoever they, they chooses. chooses. <laughs> Amazon, or Colossus and the Amazon Queen. 
Queen sounds like a trash 1960 film that I want to see yesterday. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. <laughs> um, let's keep it moving with Marion Crane. Amy Jo, your thoughts on Janet Lee and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? Janet Lee is great. So good. She's so good at acting. She has huge eyes, which when so much of the film is going to, well, so much of her in the film is yeah. going to be communicated over voiceover. Yeah. Um, and and you have to like see her like making decisions like it's all so, so good. clear so well which done. is bizarre but it's yeah. like what she's not like whoa it's <laughs> but she's like she's like because she's so expressive and yeah. she's such a master of this sort of thing at this point you know it's like uh that was a good choice good choice and someone who's a huge name who then yeah. uh you know you can just like uh kill and uh <laughs> yeah. you know, and it's and a surprise surprise it's it's such a surprise right. that when they did it again in scream it still surprised people you know I, it's true well it's also not you know kill off your who you think is your lead 13 minutes in opposed to 50 minutes but in, they did but... the same thing with all yeah. the marketing yeah, like they trailer. truly it's just it's which clever. is great because it's in so many clever. ways scream is obviously like a uh a loving homage to all these horror films so that's like a very clever way in a very meta fashion (laughs) to also do that absolutely um i don't have a ton of choices i think she's so great but i also do think this is the type of role that like a lot of different kinds of people could do really really well i agree um insofar as a contemporary of uh of janet lee's who is also fantastic i was like oh I'd be into seeing Eartha Kitt do this. Oh. They're the same age. And I was like, oh, amazing. Oh, listen, yeah. Mr. Bates. We all find ourselves on private islands. I've got to go back to Phoenix and sort out mine. Marion Crane. $40,000. I didn't steal $40,000. These aren't lines, but I'm going to say them as if they are. Yeah, yeah, she she would be just talking to herself in the car. It wouldn't be just like the narration. It would just be like, "What am I doing? That cop is still following me." Have I done anything wrong, officer? Then I'm free to go. <laughs> I just, uh, I mean, can't stand the sight of it. I mean, also Eartha Kitt, like you could have just had her as the voice of the mother, the, vo- <gasps> the voice for Norma Bates. Maybe that's part of where my inspo came. Norman, put me down. Norman, I can walk. Put me down. Crunk, put me down. <laughs> for a contemporary choice, mm-hmm. I feel like a very obvious and yet good choice is Sarah Paulson. Oh, okay. Maybe I d- not I don't so consider- obvious. Well, in terms of saying like you're putting your actor in as Lila, I would and your star, quote unquote True. star. True, but I do feel like she's a television star more than a film well, star. You exactly, know, but, exactly, exactly. That's what um, I'm saying. That's why I just found that uh, a surprising choice. I, I could see, but I also think yeah. she is someone who well, she's is incredible, so, an incredible actor, so good at acting that could do all those like subtle shifts, totally incredibly. Easily. Yeah, she'd also be an excellent Lila. But I could just see her doing this whole arc you also need like someone who like you really root for and then sure. you're like oh you don't do that don't oh, bad idea yeah. and then she does that and you're still like on her side you, and they're like exactly that's you need someone that you always feel sympathy for even though they are committing a you crime need someone who can really not like that line. you know it's not like oh my sister's sick i need to steal this money it's like i just want to steal it to my boyfriend's debts and i want to go marry him yeah because I don't want to wait for his ex-wife to remarry. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I then also thought if you had Sarah Paulson as mm-hmm. Sam Loomis, you could get her real-life partner, Holland Taylor. <laughs> be for that. Watch the heck out of that. I love it. Sure. 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 Love it. 
<laughs> I was thinking. Well, and then, sorry, now I'm thinking. Then the mother is like, figured out that girl's a lesbian. I don't like lesbians. I must stab her to death for her moral failings. And it becomes like a very, like, through the contemporary lens, we see 1960s attitudes toward homosexuality as a sin, you know? Sure. I'm just saying there's something there. There is something there. I was thinking, A, because she's made up as a redhead, but still a very similar wig, playing Gwen Verdon in Fosse Verdon, Michelle Williams. She did cross I my think mind. would be so, so, so good. Yeah. Um, also, I was thinking of, uh, though she's not stealing money or escaping from something like that, she is getting to a motel that she should not in Bad Times at El Royale, Cynthia Erivo. Because mm. also just think of someone with, with those great expressive Huge eyes. eyes. Yeah. Um, her and also someone who's primarily known for comedies, um, but Regina Hall, also someone. I thought you were saying Cynthia Erivo. No, like, no, no. She won a Tony for the yes. color purple. She sure did. No, no, no. Uh, but Regina Hall has those great expressive eyes. And I was like, uh. I feel like she, I mean, she's done like a few dramatic roles. She's just so, she's really, you know, she's really the female Leslie Nielsen. <laughs> I think we can all agree. I mean, they're both in sc- the scary movie franchise. There you go. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, th- those are like my primary thoughts. I couldn't think of anyone specifically for 1998, which was Anne Hesh. Hesh. Hesh, sorry. I started to say Hesh and then changed my mind and went for Hesh. So I said Anne Hesh. It was great. And Hesh. I mean, like, I feel like a 1990, like, you're going to get you Gwyneth, you know? Oh, actually, that's true. Instead, they got her for the Dial-In for exactly. Murder remake. Yeah. A perfect murder. Also, Viva Mortensen. Viva Mortensen loved being in Hitchcock remakes. I think he loved working. Well, that makes sense. The Hollywood cinema. Of course, of course. Um, or like 1998, Kate Blanchett. It's so easy to just be like Kate oh, yeah. Blanchett for everything. I truly did stop myself from putting her on my list because I had that exact thought. Yeah. Of like, or, or you know, like Nicole Kidman. Nicole, Nicole Kidman. Sure. She's, she's, she's also big enough Actually, that it's that's really good. shocking to murder her halfway through. Ooh, what about Shailene Woodley? Just thinking about Big Little Eyes and oh. people with huge eyes. Yeah. Who you're like, what are you haunted by? Sure. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I can it's, see that. It's a very different choice, but I'm. I'm not opposed to it. Well, why would you be? Why would you be opposed? So this is what Janet Lee said about being offered this role. Because uh, they gave her the novel. They gave her the book. She said, I read the novel in one sitting, mesmerized. It was not a pretty picture. Mr. Block had word painted. In fact, it was downright ugly and frightening. I couldn't wait to see what the talent of Perkins would bring to Norman and what other surprises the genius of Mr. Hitchcock had in store for me, for all of us. Because there was no doubt in my mind that I wanted to play Mary Crane. Mary in the book, not Marion. Mm-hmm. No doubt at all. I leaned over, quickly dialed MCA, and said yes. I didn't even ask what the salary was. You see, what struck me when I read the script was I really cared about Marion Crane, and that made all the difference. I liked her. So when she's killed, I was devastated, which I loved. That's great. Uh, yeah. It, it, now that you've mentioned the book, I think now would be a good time to just like drop in. Because oh, we talked about Ed yes, Dean last yes, week. Yes, yes, We sure did. Also, our reason listener, and in case you were wondering of like, we did Silence of the Lambs last week. We wanted to kind of hit two of the big films that were the, loosely these, inspired by. By the uh, Ed Gein's the same, yeah, by crimes. Ed Gein. Yeah, so uh, hit us with some, uh, some facts. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's not that much that I want to add to what I said last week other than what's so interesting about this is mm-hmm. like, so Ed Gein's crimes were discovered in late november of 1957 um and so the book was written like 59 59, yeah so they fast tracked this yeah well and then they did the film and you know he uh hitchcock shot this i meant that's what i meant i meant they fast tracked it the novel came out in 59 and the movie came out in 1960 yeah yeah um and and he shot with his television crew kind of so they could also do it quick and dirty totally but um 
it's just very interesting that it's like, this is not a fictionalized account of the Ed Gein story. This is like taking the most salacious events and the most salacious details, meaning like the Ed Gein had um, apparently like his house was in addition to being filled with like body parts (laughs) that he had done all sorts of like uh, things that you do to, you know, preserve the skin, like with deer hides, he, um, he did like close off his mother's, bedroom and parlor i believe um and those are the only rooms that were like clean and untouched they had to like uh, they were locked i believe um i could be wrong but um (laughs) everything else is like filled with trash like trash 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 and body parts um and so part of what they've they've taken here is the like grave robbing aspect with the mother like norman Mm, does the grave robbing gets his mom which is mainly what ed gein did you know was he he kind of killed out of necessity rather than out of the same kind of compulsion that seems to drive norman you know what i mean but like they took a lot of the kind of um freudian uh, i don't want to say nonsense but took a lot of the freudian theories that everyone was obsessed with yeah in the middle of the last century capitalized on that yes they were like oh okay he started killing when his mom died like those are things that were very similar to the Mm. game story like his mom dies and he seems to go off the rails like that or in in ed gein's case he was also a loner and a hermit you know and, and someone that people in town knew but didn't really have any friends seemed harmless enough um but then you come to find out like oh it was when his mother died that he started doing this and he maybe killed his father like there's also that so they took a lot of like the details that are the most like gasp worthy and then we're like and now how can we make it into this like psychological thriller hmm. and uh you know of course they still keep the cross-dressing at the end which it's you know i mean they over explain that and everything but it's just uh it's just very interesting to see how then in in the 90s what 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 was times of the lambs i've already forgotten uh 91 91 like how those ideas have morphed and and, sure. and what what they were interested in extrapolating from that story and like as opposed to this one where it was very much like there because they're still in that moment of like yeah yeah ooh, psycho oh, you're so analysis. you're so close to the thing oh yeah so close yeah. to the thing but also so close you watch a movie like anatomy of a murder mm-hmm. with jimmy stewart and yeah. it's like so much in the courtroom is them like dissecting like basically like you know depressive episodes and manic right. episodes and like what that and just people had never really talked about that kind of thing before so like that's why you also have like a six minute monologue at the end of this movie with a rando coming on doing an always be closing monologue you know but um it's uh it's it's just very interesting to see having gone back and looked at some game stuff like how close so much of this is to that um and yet how it's basically just that thing that humans love to do which is taking the thing that is the weirdest to us and and then like blowing that up to make it the whole point of the story right wow well thank you for that <laughs> you're so welcome <laughs> it's like thank you for these scary it's facts. not it's not well well pretty but well, okay i thought you were gonna say it's not scary it's no. real i was like well, well it's, it's of course like real things are always scary to me so like knowing yeah, like it's, actual it's know, also interesting in that Gein are. was killing women who reminded him of his mother or the, right. and you know like that's what he he said as much as he could remember but like you look at the 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 women they were like middle-aged and like were similar build to his mother as opposed to like women he was attracted to because he then like as the psychiatrist, they would say like the mother part of him was like so horrified by by that. So it's also just kind of like a way to twist it and, and be uh, sex shaming as well, you know, as we mm. loved to do. Yeah. 
So Janet Lee only had three weeks to work on the movie, spent one third of her time, one whole of those weeks, filming the shower sequence. Oh, and she uh, she wasn't even in all those shots. That's true. She had a... Uh, there was a the, nude uh, model. model who came in as a double for like a day or two. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which also that documentary on the making of that scene mm-hmm. is on Hulu, which I've not watched, but I need to. I watched it a few years ago. It's oh. really interesting. Uh, yeah. Cool. There's also that. a play uh, that I saw in the West End like a million years ago called right. Hitchcock Blonde that Rosamund right. Pike starred in. <gasps> and um, it's about like this woman who wants to be an actor and she basically gets hired to be the nude model in the shower mm. scene. Oh. And I, of course, am sitting there in 2003, <laughs> arms crossed like, no, it was ugh, like, just like all the factual inaccuracies. Uh, sure. So I was like, she wasn't an actress who got pressured into this by Hitchcock. She was a nude model who was hired from an agency, blah, blah, blah. So she would be right, comfortable right. on set, but it was still a good play. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Janet Lee said that when he cast her, Hitchcock gave her the following charter. I hired you because, sorry, let me take that again. I hired you because you are an actress. I will only direct you if A, you attempt to take more than your share of the pie, B, you don't take enough, or C, if you are having trouble motivating the necessary timed movement. Hitchcock is turning into droopy dog faster and faster. <laughs> Yo, brother. Boom. Ten out of ten plushes. Next floor. I just like, I, I always think of droopy specifically as the elevator man in uh, oh, Who yeah. Framed Roger Rabbit. Um, <laughs> uh, but I feel like that was like Hitch all the time because it was like uh, Martin Landau, I think, in North by Northwest who was like, he's given all these, uh, uh, Hitch, you know, you're giving everyone else all this great direction. Uh, do you got anything for me? And it's like, you trust me if you need it i'll tell you it's like if you're not if i I don't you know it's like hire the actors that can do what they do and then let them do their thing yeah there's some great quote about uh when he was doing north by northwest and and uh carrie grant had to do this one shot where he crossed the um lobby of the plaza hotel Mm -hmm. and uh someone was like asking who he's gonna give him any direction on like uh, something and he's like he lives here he Sorry, he lives here. He crosses this lobby every day. I don't need to tell him how to walk across the lobby he lives in. Like, well, yeah, true. Yeah, there you go. Uh, and despite his reputation for cultivating extended working relationships with his leading ladies, after observing the reception of this movie, Hitchcock reluctantly told Janet Lee that they could never work together again, as she would always be remembered for her on-screen death as Marion Crane, which... Lightning in a bottle, baby. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's what Anthony Perkins said. Uh, well, both of them said Anthony Perkins and Janet Lee was, you know, they, they were both so known for these characters in this film and typecast by them, especially well, him. Especially Perkins, yeah, yeah, but they, you know, both of them were like, well, I'd rather be known for a iconic role than not be known at all. Which, yeah. yeah, I mean, you have someone like, like I don't know, take like a Norma Shearer who was a huge star in her time, and it's like. Now, I know who Norma Shearer is, and you're nodding your head in a way that lets me know that you don't quite know who Norma Shearer was. You mean when I nod my head, but my eyes go all around me, like, okay, okay, Norma who, Shearer, who? wait, why? I know, we, I've heard the name, I know the name, I know I've seen her in something. The Women. She's the lead in The Women. Oh, but she also yeah. did, like, a zillion other yeah, movies yeah. and was married to a studio head, you mm, know, but, like, that helps. but because she wasn't in, like, a, a, a film and a role that defined, right. like, a generation of moviegoers, you know? It's like, well, you know, we, we know who Norman Bates is, even if we don't all know Anthony Perkins. Exactly. Name. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, let's get into it. Here are the other actors that were up for Marion Crane. Ta-ta. Right off the bat, Lee Remick. Ooh. 
talking anatomy of a murderer. Yes, indeed. Also, Days of Wine and Roses, which she's incredible. And yeah. some of the best drunk acting. Jack Lemmon is good in that, but she's like giving inc- yeah, an incredible she's another level. level of drunk performance. I, I think this is a really good choice. Uh, I think Janet Lee is a better choice, but yeah. Lee Remick, very solid choice. Yeah. And The Omen. In terms of horror, that's what that's her big Ooh. iconic horror film she's known for. Never Nuts. saw it. As, <laughs> is that the one with the kid who's a devil? He sure is. Little, okay. his, I mean, his name is Damien. Oh, yes. Okay. Yes, I've heard. Well, there are people named Damien who aren't uh, Satan. Yeah, they're all the devil. Oh, interesting. I mean, don't name a kid almost demon. That's what I'm saying. Sorry, Damien Lewis. You're good at acting, but your name sounds like demon. That's why you got the role in Homeland. They're like, his name's so close to demon. They'll, they'll be like, maybe he's a real secret terrorist That's in Homeland. That's what they thought. That's demon they Lewis. Thought. <laughs> of course it is. Angie Dickinson. Oh. Is in Rio Bravo and Police Woman, the show. Uh, I really only know her from pr- playing pretty much this exact role in uh the brian de palma film dress to kill which i'll get spoilers for a 1980 81 uh mildly transphobic film so you don't really need to see it but it's pretty much like the exact same type of role. she's like the first half hour you're following her around and you're like oh this is our lead and then she gets murdered in uh-huh. an elevator uh by a man in woman's clothing i see it's like literally i mean i'm honestly shocked that brian de palma isn't the one that did the 1998 shot for shot remake of psycho yeah yeah <laughs> yeah this is not uh it's yeah i think that goes beyond homage uh, especially bit. if you're choosing an actor bit. who if you're a nerd like de palma oh, you know was up had for to it. have known i'm sure that he was like yeah. okay who am i getting to star in dress to not kill? janet lee, lee but well, i'll not, do, no, can't uh, do lee, Rem- lee remick uh maybe what lana turner maybe because Lana Turner was up for Marion Crane. Can you imagine? <laughs> Brian De Palma and Lana Turner are not two names I, I think of going cannot. together. I not like Ramalama Lama. Ka-ding-a-ding-a-don't. Ka-ding-a-ding-a-don't. Um, <laughs> no, that brings a lot of star power to oh, it. Oh, yeah. That's, she's Absolutely. great. Absolutely. Yeah. Very Especially different than Janet. I think Janet Lee's a better different. actter than Lana Turner insofar as just like a more contemporary style. But Lana Turner, great eyes, very expressive. Those, she's got those big expressive eyes. Uh, Shirley Jones. No. Marion, the librarian Marian Peru. herself. Old Marion Peru in the 1962 Old Music Marian Man Peru. movie. Uh, the, also the matrix of the Partridge family. So many things that's like crazy to imagine if she had done Psycho to then go do Music Man and the Partridge family. To imagine her in those like long sweeping, it's 1900 <laughs> in, in Iowa gowns. It's like, <sighs> there's an Iowa kind of special. <laughs> Like, oh, you got trouble, my friends, with a capital T, and that rhymes with P, and that stands for psycho. (laughs) Does P stand for Norman Bates? No. Or does it stand for Psycho? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But 1960, instead of doing Psycho, Shirley Jones was doing Elmer Gantry with Burt Lancaster, which won her an Oscar. So it's like, you know. At that, I mean, at that point, I'm sure it's like, oh, good, I made the right choice. I did yeah, the movie that got me the Oscar. Triumph. But of course, now you're looking at a film from the lens of Elmer 60 Hootry? years in the future. It's yeah. Elmer who? Elmer what? Uh, yeah, Elmer Fudd. They made a movie about Elmer, Elmer Glue? Fudd. Weird. Hmm. Burt Lancaster was playing Elmer Fudd. He was and playing Shirley... the cow from Elmer's Glue? Shirley Jones was playing Bugs Bunny, and he was trying to get her that wassily ladder. She won an Oscar for that. <laughs> I could see it. I could see a lot. A, a gritty reboot of Elmer Fudd. Yeah, we, we got that. It was called Space Jam. So, And coming soon, Space Jam, A New Legacy. <sighs> <laughs> uh, we also have... Oh, hold the phone. That sound means it's time to play a quick round of a two truths. 
than some guy. I always dance, listener, even though you can't see it. She literally is. One day we will record these podcasts with a video camera so we can <laughs> get some like footage and we'll post it on YouTube. And that way, only so you can see Amy Jo dancing. Thrills. The whole montage. Um, but also since this film, it's not to choose and some guys, to choose and some person. Gender is dead. The way it works. Two of the following actors were up for the role of Marion Crane. One was not. And Amy Joe is to guess which is which. Your options are. Yes. Eva Marie Saint. Oh. Tippy Hedren. Uh-huh. And Piper Laurie. I am. I am gonna say some guy is Tippy Hedren. A ding ding ding. Oh yeah. Yeah, correct. Yes, Who yes. would of course go on to star in the birds? Like right after this, and Marnie. Yeah, and and Marnie, yeah. Marnie of course. I need to see Marnie. I've not seen Marnie. I mean, um, is it good? No. I mean, <laughs> okay. It's, so it's, I don't need to see Marnie. Well, uh, there's stuff in it that is like informative. I hear you. Uh, I, I mean, Hitch, Hitchcock made so many films. It was wild doing my research for this episode and going through and being like so many things I've never heard of that were like, oh, yeah. flop, flop. And then iconic classic. Flop, yeah. flop, 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 flop. Iconic classic, iconic classic. Yeah. Flop, flop, flop. Iconic classic. Flop, flop, flop. And I've seen a lot of all those. Then. Yeah. I've not seen all of them because some of them are very, so very obscure. difficult to find. Sure. Yeah. 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 Um, but uh, yes, Tippy Hedger was not up for it, but Eva Marie Saint and Piper Laurie were. Eva Marie Saint, of course, had already won that Oscar for On the Waterfront and She was amazing in North by Northwest. Yes, the year before, nineteen fifty nine. I what, just worked with him. What about her as the sister? I think that'd be great. I, I mean, it I is like, is, it too, if, is she too big? Yeah, is she too big a, a name? She has an Oscar. Because uh, that's the thing, though. Like, you almost, it doesn't matter because it's not like she's in the beginning. Of, it'd be one thing if they were like a scene in the beginning of the movie with her and Marion. Yeah. So then you're like, okay, well, we're just waiting for the sister to come back but if, because oh, it's this big name. But because they don't, she doesn't even come into the picture until Marion's already gone. It kind of doesn't matter. You could I have know. another star in that but role. But I'm wondering if, I'm just thinking yeah. like if, and, and I'm not saying these are people that should be playing these parts today, but like if we're making the movie today mm-hmm. and we have like Amy Adams as Marion, we have like a huge name, then, and then we know right. that there's another, say like, I'm just thinking like American Hustle. Say like, <laughs> Jennifer Lawrence is playing the sister. You're sitting there the whole time going like, when does Jennifer Lawrence come into the well, movie? Well, yes. If it's Jennifer Lawrence, of course. Jennifer Lawrence is still, you know, you're still naming an Oscar. You're naming an Oscar winner for the role that we're talking about as the actor over the- But even Marie Saint had an okay, Oscar. I gotcha, I gotcha. That's what I, I mean gotcha. is like, yeah, we yeah. we kind of can't know exactly because we are not in 1960. And she was just in North by Northwest, which was a- you know, like yeah. a big yeah. splashy film. You're not wrong. Not that long before this. So I wonder if she was maybe still too yeah. big a name, whereas like Vera Miles was uh, not. I don't that, know. I think that's an excellent point. I think that is very, very true. But uh, Avery Saint would be would great. Would have been great. Because Myron. Uh, I as, uh, Piper Laurie as well. Piper Laurie had the, yes. the, the Hustler was the next year. People listen at home, you would probably know Piper Laurie best either from The Hustler with Paul Newman or from, of course, Carrie as Carrie's mother. Or, uh, or so Twin good. Peaks. She's on oh, Twin Peaks. Yes, she is. She is in Twin Peaks, which I have not watched. But I've been watching a long time, but boy, it's <laughs> weird and good. I saw the first like four or five episodes and I just fell off it. Because this is also the days of getting Netflix by mail. And this oh, yes, one of those shows, that's how I watched it. This is one of those shows, I think, that where it was like two episodes per disc. And I was like, ugh. That's <laughs> also how I watched the first season of Boardwalk Empire. And also, I, like, it took me like three months just to watch the season. That's how I watched the first three seasons <laughs> of Mad Men. That's how I started watching. That's why I stopped watching Mad Men the me first too. time. Me too. Because I watched the first like I never six finished, I never episodes. got past season four because <laughs> I, I was like, I'm tired of waiting for the DVDs in the mail. I would love to do 
a rewatch of Mad Men with you. Also, young John Hamm as a Sam Loomis. Now we're I talking. Mean, now come we're talking. On, come on. So those were all the characters that I found other casting options for, but there are a few characters we didn't mention. So are there, Jeff? Briefly touch on them. Uh, starting with Milton Arbogast, the old detective, uh, played by Martin Balsam, who would later spoof this role in The Silence of the hands. Oh, come on. With Dom DeLuise. I love that. <laughs> That's Silence wonderful. Of the hams, as I believe Detective Martin Balsam as just himself. Yes. Full. Do it. Full like, it feels like a real like wannabe Mel Brooks type film uh-huh, uh-huh. uh in terms of like yeah where that where that is pitched. Um, Who I think is, I think is really good in this. It's, it's also why it's so disappointing. That's what I mean. I want to clarify in terms of when I say like that the film I think is great up until right after the shower scene it's actually I think is still really solid until he gets killed because I think I he see. injects such a cool supporting character actor energy where he comes in it's like all right guys I'm on the case now that but then, scene with him and Norman is fantastic it's great. it's great but then they kill him and then when it's when you're left with the duds when you're left with yeah. these this boring 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 couple being yeah. like all oh, right we're gonna pull we're, right we're gonna pull a con we're gonna pretend to be a married couple and then it's just like there's like so little there could be so much more there's... interesting games with that like t- whatever norman bates is like kind of catching them out like oh i thought you said that you uh you were on your honeymoon or i thought i thought she said that you were like this and now you're saying that like there's none of that there's just like they're like two random people rather than it's like we're people who were thrown together by like this awful circumstance exactly that we both have a connection to in the book they were supposed to then fall in love i want you watch the film and you wonder that but that's like awful you're searching for i know your sister your girlfriend's killer and then just for them to wind up together at the end i was actually thinking about this rewatching the film uh and thinking like yeah, it's kind of gross if that is what would be what were to happen. But at the same time, like trauma bonds you in particular ways, you know, sure, and like sure. they went through. It's not just like they went through this together. They went there through you this go. together. There you go. Just do a repeat of how their characters get together in Speed 1998. Have Keanu Reeves as Sam Loomis and Sandy Bullock as Lila. A, actually not terrible casting, but be hilarious to imagine them. It's at- not good <laughs> casting, though, Jeff. It's not good. Mm, well i guess you're right (laughs) (laughs) you know what you got me there um uh, do you have any thoughts of who you would cast oh yes as uh, as milton arbogast such a great name arbogast Arbogast. it reads great on the page it sounds great on the ear Mm, you know mm -hmm. um if this movie were made like 20 years earlier i think that martin balsam in this film is like a direct descendant of edward g robinson particularly in like double indemnity you know when he's really like that kind of i i i love edward g robinson and it's like oh yeah that's that same kind of like like mm-hmm. a like the the Fred McMurray character is is named Walter in in Double Indemnity. And I was always obsessed with how Ever G Robinson said his name Walter. It's that sort Walter. of like yeah. It's that it's that L <laughs> A movies of a certain time where they uh-huh. don't do the t- in the middle of hey Walter yeah. Walter. I mean I'm Walter. giving it a harder D than yeah. it is, but I always found it <laughs> great. Um, because it, I just was trying to pronounce that like Walter Walda Walda. I was just like Alan Alda as Arbogast. <laughs> 
This one's terrible. Me, please. Yeah, just like he's more of the gentle... psychiatrist. Comes oh, sure. In. Let me explain. Absolutely. All the stuffs I learned. Um, no, if it's more contemporary, I have written, and this is verbatim. The only PI I want is Enrico Colatoni, uh, which is of course uh, Kristen Bell's dad in Veronica Mars. Uh, he's so good. He's Keith wonderful. Keith Mars so good. And then I said, uh, and sure. if it's not the movie Psycho, but it is Psycho exclamation point, indicating it is either a comedy or a musicale. It's like, oh, Ken Marino. Uh, yeah. Just yeah. a big old fool with a lot of hair. I mean, we just rewatched What Hot American Summer last night. We so, did. I mean, hopefully, as Arbogast, he would still be in the little jean shorts well, and you know, tank top that Wet are Hot eight American Summer is, in fact, a spoof in some ways of Sleepaway Camp. Exactly. It all's just it one all beautiful makes circle. makes sense if you don't pay too much attention. I, <laughs> I was thinking, because I also think the, the 1988 version, 1998. The 1998 version was William H. Macy, who I love William H. Macy, but he doesn't come in with a strong type A energy to be hey, like, Hey, listen, I'm a scrappy little terrier. Exactly. Gotta get some to the bottom of things. insert myself into the movie now and like really, like he's just a much kinder, sure. yeah. Um, but I was like, 1998, the person that like, top of my list is coming with that big D energy, swinging and being like, all right, guys, don't worry. I'm coming in, Billy Bob Thornton. Oh, Excellent casting. I could also see that just came to mind a little more gentler than Billy Bob Thornton, but a Brendan Gleeson. Someone who's like, yeah, I'm this rumpled detective coming in like, okay, okay, out of the way, out of the way. Uh, If this is like 87, like a Tommy Lee Jones. Oh, I mean, yeah. Before he was like big, big. Yeah. Yeah. Tommy Lee Jones, of course. Classic. And and of course, because it's like, there's no reason this character has to be a male. So I was like, imagine... Margot Martindale, acclaimed character actress, Margot Martindale. I can't imagine. Busting in the store, just being like, yeah, I know you don't know me. That's how I was able to track you. That, like, great line. Just, like, implying, you schmucks. Yeah, schmucks. (laughs) Um, Or John Slattery. Oh, also say yes. Just a full madman. Full madman. John Slattery as Arbogast. John yes. Hamm as as, uh, as, as the Sam slab. Loomis. I mean, not the slab. The, as the, 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 the stiff. stiff. The stiff. The <laughs> stiff. Um, uh, Elizabeth. I would say Elizabeth Moss as the sister. Ma- okay, and then and Christina, Christina Hendricks. Hendricks as she's Marian. in the slip. Everyone's like Auga. Mm-hmm. Auga, exactly. And then yeah. a, then, then do we have Pete Campbell as as Norman? I think <laughs> he's he too w- easily. You can't trust. Immediately I, you're like, okay, well clearly you're murdering people. Yes, clearly. But also like you, you see pictures of Vincent Carthizer in like earlier stuff, and he's got or not even earlier stuff, just like as himself. He's got like that long kind of like shaggy hair. Oh, he's got that hippie hair. The hippie yeah, hair. Yeah, hippie oh, hair. Oh, oh, in, I think in, that's how in you masterminds it. that used to be my favorite movie, right, which is right. Die Hard in a prep school with. Vince, young Pete Campbell, making his way, trying to save his stepsister from evil Patrick Stewart. But I think one of the dumbest films ever made. And it was literally my top of the list (laughs) favorite film in 1997 when it came out. I think that's how you do it is just give him the kind of shaggy hair and a kind of like, well, I'm just scrawny and I couldn't, I couldn't hurt a fly. Or Rich Summer. Rich Summer as uh, as Norman Bates as Harry Crane Harry Crane Crane Caca I'm not one for conspiracy theories but put that red string right up on his face (laughs) the red string you know what I mean on his face. (laughs) Sure, Um, I I wasn't going to mention him, but then I found this, so I kind of have to. As Doctor Fred Richmond, this poor psychiatrist at the end that has to come in at the very end of your movie and monologue do for five a real minutes. alec baldwin and glenn gary true 
which that's what you mentioned. I'm like, and that's not bad casting. If, if I had to bring in, bring in someone at the like very end of your movie, yeah. bring in a ringer. I was like, Alfred Molina is the person that I wanted. Oh, that's like good. Say. That's good. Um, uh, but it's this actor, Simon Oakland, who you know, Amy Joe, as you many of you listeners from his other iconic film role, the year after this, One Two Punch, Psycho in 1960, and then 1961, Lieutenant Shrank in West Side Story. Oh, I was wondering why I had affection for this <laughs> actor delivering this disastrous speech. Oh, man. It's not his fault. Yeah, it's yeah. truly what he I think he executes it quite well, yeah. but it's oh, yeah. it's brutal. Oh, he's wonderful in that. <laughs> oh, and and you know like Martin Balsam the, I think the year after this or the year 61 or 62 was in Breakfast at Tiffany's. So like all these character Everyone actors are like, I'm only doing a few days on all these movies, yeah. which means they can be in a lot of them. Oh, could you imagine Audrey Hepburn as Marion Crane? Because Hitchcock had yes. just wanted to work with her in that no, ju- no bail it. for the judge. That to me is even more shocking. Audrey Hepburn just yeah, feel, it feels like kill you Audrey can't Hepburn. kill Audrey Hepburn. That's just like you don't do that. And, which, and But then I'm like, okay, you got Audrey Hepburn. I'm not quite sure how old he was in Wait Until Dark, but Alan Arkin as Norman Bates? Or is he, I mean, he's so creepy he's in Wait Until so Dark. Creepy. He might be too creepy. But you that's, know what? That's another film <laughs> that because of a dead body in that movie, right. I couldn't go into closets oh, for years. Oh dear, oh dear. I really watched too yeah. many things too early and it wasn't even as much as most people do, but I, I was so <laughs> sensitive. Um, but as we're talking about him, let's get into Norman Bates, Anthony oh. Perkins, which I mean, so good. It's He's incredible an amazing like it feels like a performance that could be in a movie today it's like so so, such naturalism there's that incredible line reading he does where Mm. he's talking about um because we're talking about it when when the movie (laughs) like when we're watching the movie uh, where he's changing the sheets uh uh with with arbogast and he's just like i i like to change them even if no one's slept in them he's like i can't stand like dank and damp it's uh I don't know, such a creepy smell. Like he tosses like just it like it's that. That's so it, like the exact line. Good. Right? Just a just a creepy smell. Just, yeah, that throwing it away, which is like you rarely outside of Brando. Like I can't think of off the top of my head other actors that like just did that it level of naturalism. Oh, it's so good, and 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 that he like goes full. That last shot is truly uh, terrifying. Yeah. But like that, that's the only time we ever see that. You yeah. know, like he's. I mean, we see him doing creepy things, but we're not right. It's it's so beautifully calibrated. I think it's, he's it's, wonderful. You, you could still buy him like, oh, this guy's creepy, but he's not. It's the mother is the one that's murdering these people. So we still feel for this guy that's under his mother's yeah, thumb although, until you're like, oh. We know that peeping Tomery leads well, sure. to murder in many cases. It's a very True. early sign of True. potential escalation. Um, uh, and of course, in the 1998 Gus Van Sant remake, this was Vince... Vaughn, I don't, which I is can't like understand your film was doomed logic. before you shot a Why frame. Why would you do I it? I don't know. I can only imagine that it's because he was in the Lost World Jurassic Park the year before, and Spielberg might have been like, "Oh, he's he's a barrel of laughs." That Vince Vaughn, funny guy, funny guy. And the best fan was like, "Oh, a funny guy, eh? Yeah, a funny guy that will make people afraid of." Oh, okay. That's the only thing I can think of is like why you would cast or or that he somehow thought Vince Vaughn looked like Anthony Perkins, which hey, he doesn't. I, I really don't know. I don't know. I just, there seems to be yeah. no, no There's no good, good answer reason. here. No. Uh, and Freddie Highmore, that little baby in Finding Neverland was, yes. of course, Norman Bates That's in Bates Motel, which is really smart casting. supposed to be really good. And I, I watched a few clips um, because they finally, in the last season, they like, 
it's also set like present day so it's it's really they're really doing their own thing but i just watched like a few clips because in the last season they like do very differently but kind of follow the same track as psycho uh, with of all people rihanna as marion crane that's fascinating isn't it just hmm yeah that's all i gotta say about that hmm battleships <laughs> rihanna hmm. sure Sure, 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 sure. She's incredible uh, at what she does. Presence, but I would not have pictured her as Marion. No, Crane. no, no. Nor would I picture Vince Vaughn as Norman Bates. Um, but who would you cast if you had to cast someone else as old Norman? As old Norman. Um, my first choice for a contemporary Norman, I feel like, is very obvious. Um, he's very much in the same vein. I feel like he'd probably be like, if a studio was like, we're gonna remake it, and we want it to be pretty similar, I think <laughs> this would be like, oh, duh, get me Ben Wishaw. Sure. Um, sure. I, you seem unenthused by this. No, I'm not unenthused. I... I just don't, he's not, in terms of a Hollywood executive being like, get me Ben Wishaw. They're never like, get me Ben Wishaw. They're always like, Wishaw. Which one is he again? Interesting. That's shocking to me, but you're so right. I've really had my brain rearranged. As, well, I mean, in terms of you want a good, a great actor, of course. If you're looking for a name, if you're looking also to play upon someone's whatever image to be like, okay, well, it can't be him. I mean, this is imagining a world right. where 1960 Psycho doesn't exist, where this is like not a remake, I, but a brand I new see. film. Yeah. Um, of course, he would be incredible. I also, I kind of lop, in, in, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but I lop in Wishaw into a group, a very small subset, a group of British actors, no matter how they will become, they always look like teenage boys to me. Uh, uh, the, the frail Britishman. The, the frail Britishman. And phenomenal actors, Ben Wishaw, Eddie Redmayne, who yes. I was like, he could be a Norman Bates, but I was uh. more interested, I think, Center of a Bullseye's Andrew Garfield. I was reminded a huh. lot of Andrew Garfield when watching Anthony Perkins' performance in this. Huh. Um, specifically, this small movie that he did uh, early in his career called Boy A, where he was like, him like a, a friend like murdered a girl when they were like 12 or like 13 and he goes to jail and now he's like of age and his a new name because he was a minor so a new, a new like starting a new life and he you like you shouldn't feel for this person but you still do you still you're seeing him like being like i'm trying to be a better person and you're seeing like his like that nervous that great nervous energy yeah. that anthony perkins brings to norman bates he's eating all that candy he's eating all that candy corn he's just going choppy choppy all through um which i think is great and also andrew garfield as spider-man not too dissimilar to norman bates oh, he no. is oh. doing some super stalking emma emma stone is like looking around like huh what and spider-man is just like it's me he might as well have like a peephole into her apartment he might as well he, i think he is like just peeking in through the window of her apartment like cool. he might as well have that peephole what about like ice storm era toby Maguire? just thinking of spider-man's absolutely and also because uh i'll make a judgment call we'll never do the 1998 psycho bless, remake bless. on the show so toby Maguire was one of the actors that was up for norman a Bates. zillion times of a better choice than uh, vince yeah, vaughn yeah as was Christian Bale was considered, uh -huh. uh, and Robert Sean Leonard, which that's someone. That's amazing. I casting. think Christian Bale is a better actor than Robert Sean Leonard, but Robert Sean Leonard bring has a certain like soft quality that yes. you would never expect him to be. If you're trying to pull off the version of this where it's like this is really someone with right. two distinct and disparate sides to their personality, then you need something to be the the softness. Absolutely. Uh, oh, yeah. I can't believe I didn't think of him. I was so obsessed with Dead Poets Society. Or, or his Dead Poets co-star, Ethan Hawke. Better than Vince Young Vaughn. Young Ethan Hawke. Well, uh, yes, well, that's what I mean. 19, better, I mean in yes, 1998. Because yes, yes. okay, Ethan yeah. Hawke, same age as Vince Vaughn. So, I mean, much they were, better choice. Yeah, he's yes. like, they're like both, they're all late 20s yeah. uh, in 1998. Yeah. I, I, just going back to Andrew Garfield, uh -huh. I, I will say 
he never occurs to me for things because I'm still so mad at him for his performances prior in uh, Angels in America. I just sat there really enjoying the show and stewing that he was getting lauded uh-huh. for what I thought was just yeah. really a lot of – it just made me angry. I hear you. Um but, but, I but I haven't seen a lot I of those I could other also things. see his Angel in America co-star as Norman Lee Pace. Because someone, because if, if you're trying to cast against type, and you're like, oh, I mean, he could also he could also be Sam Loomis because he's a gorgeous, a lanky, gorgeous man. Beautiful man. Yeah. Um, but also, he, I, his like play to comedic perfection in pushing daisies his like nervousness as ned i could see that hurtled into i i think he's actually really we pace really interesting we get there we get there (laughs) listener we eventually get there um i did have some other options uh here's a couple that are more uh, appropriate Mm -hmm. for 1960 um he would have been a little young in 1960 well, he would have been too young in 1960, but Roddy McDowell is another one who's oh, similar, yeah. similar energetically. He has a bit mm-hmm. of a lighter energy, but I think it all the stuff that like, w- like works about Perkins, I think would would work yeah. with Roddy McDowell. Um, and then this is a very different choice, but he's the same age as Perkins. Uh, is Omar Sharif, who oh, would never play anything like this. Isn't that wild that to think about? Wild, but to like, think about. I mean, he's really probably more of like a was, uh, Sam Loomis. When was Lawrence of Arabia? Uh, 62. Only two years after. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow, 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 wow. Um, but so he's, he's just like so, especially at this point in time, like so young and so yeah. beautiful and is like, cool. like thinner and less kind yeah. of like manly uh, than he'll get in like later mm-hmm. films. Oh, sorry. Zhivago is 62. Oh, okay. Um, that makes no, sense. No, 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 no. Oh. Lawrence of Arabia is 62 because I went and saw it on its 40th anniversary screening and I was a freshman in college. Regardless, they're both, They're both Zhivago and the Lord are all both in the 60s. It's, yes, yes. Uh, yeah, wow. But, but cool. uh, I, I, it. I, I would it. be interested in that. Yeah. I, love, I also. Oh, you love that old Listener, Marcherie. I love that uh. <laughs> Um Then uh, for uh, another like uh, late 90s choice, and this is not someone who would be famous on the level of them, but I think would be so much better as an actor is mm-hmm. David Thewlis. Oh. Uh, yeah. Maybe a little too creepy. Yeah. yeah. But like we've seen him in other things where he's not creepy and he's very True. endearing. True. I think also, I think Center the Bullseye, actually, for a 1998 version, kind of surprised he wasn't considered Edward Norton. Oh. I mean, yes. well, is, coming maybe off of Primal Fear in 96. They didn't want to because I mean, of Primal it, Fear. You know what? That's actually very, very They're true. Like, they probably yeah. like, well, we can't. Although I wouldn't be surprised if Gus Van Sant was like, perfect for my shot for shot remake of Psycho. Let me cast an actor that just did a similar double role. Uh, yeah. yeah. Or, I mean... I could also have seen, not in 1998, but like whatever, 2008 or whatever, uh, Dearly Departed, Anton Yeltkin. Oh, see, I'm not really that familiar with mm. him, but I know that people love his work. Oh, he was so good. I have so good. I have someone who is very different type-wise than all these people, uh, but who is one of my favorite actors is the Dearly Departed Philip Seymour Hoffman. Uh, yeah. Like, I, I think he'd give us a very... If, if we didn't have a 1960... Psycho, mm-hmm. and we could cast whomever we wanted without thinking Norman Bates was supposed right. to look or feel like a particular thing. Like, yeah, yeah, Philip Hoffman is, is wonderful. I, I'm not saying that this is what Philip Seymour Hoffman looked like, but apparently in the book, Norman Bates was a, a large, overweight, yeah, like balding Ed man Gein. in his 40s. Ed right. Gein was a farmer and a deer hunter right. who was like, yeah, a larger, like, he actually, like, I yeah. was thinking also Philip Seymour Hoffman, like, looks more like this like Wisconsin like backwoodsman, you know, than yeah. than Norman Bates who's like yeah. you know, living off the highway in a small town in California. Which I think ultimately that was a good choice on Hitchcock to cast he was to yes. purposely want to cast someone better looking because especially if you're like, we need to be 
following this person as our new protagonist yeah. once Janet Lee dies. You want to give everybody something to look at. You know what exactly. I'm saying? Exactly. I haven't seen that stiff John Gabbard in so long. Give me something else to look give at. Give me here. something live and slender. <laughs> I mean, so, give me something live Give me and something slender. live and slender. Well, over here at Flush Magazine, we don't care what we are seeing as long as we're seeing some toilets. We really just flush this bit into the ground. Yikes. Yikes. <laughs> uh, and I want to talk briefly real quick about Mrs. Bates because uh, still technically in this movie, uh, Norman's mother was voiced by Paul Jasmine, Virginia Gregg, and Jeanette Nolan. So I three different voices this. that they all like melded, melded together or like. I, I don't, yeah. I'm not quite sure if it was at different times it was different people or if it was all like... The voice sounds very consistent. Layered. So yeah, I'm yeah. assuming that it was some sound magic. Yeah. Um, but during casting for the film, Hitchcock teased the press by leaking the top two candidates to play Mrs. Bates. So smart. Judith Anderson, a.k.a. <gasps> Mrs. Danvers in Rebecca, <gasps> and Helen Hayes. Oh, <laughs> legends. Which, of course... This prompted an onslaught of letters and telegrams from elderly actresses and their agents to Hitchcock, hoping to have a shot at the seemingly plum role. That hurts. I know, which is clearly like very different, but makes me just think of all the the models that were trying to send in their headshots to Shawshank Redemption going, I could play Gilda Radner, since the title of the original short novella is Gilda Radner. Oh, oh, you're so right. Rita Hayworth. Gilda Radner Radner is very different than Rita Hayworth as Gilda. As Gilda. That is what I'm thinking of. Thank you for correcting me. I want to see Gilda Radner do a sketch where she does the Radner and, everything. and the Shawshank Redemption. It, just, it would just be. It would have just been Gilda Radner, like in in prison in Shawshank with you know. Uh, I don't know with Madeline Kahn as yes, I the believe Morgan you Freeman mean, role. Rita Hayworth uh, in the Shawshank sure Redemption. I'm pretty sure I mean Rita Hayworth in the Shawshank Redemption <laughs> and all these models that were, these people that were like my my client is perfect for your new prison film that has no female wow, spoken she's lines. That two dimensional. She's that good. Uh, exactly. Together, together, I, okay, she's that. a poster on a yes, wall. Exactly. Very good. Thank you. Very good. Thank you. Um, oh, but one of the women was Norma Varden, who played the upper crust old dame in Strangers on a Train. Oh, excellent. Uh, she wired the, Hitch. The mother? I believe so. Ooh, yeah. uh, the one nearly, she gets nearly choked to death by, yeah, yes, the that's end. the one. That's, okay. that's, that's, uh... it, it didn't say, yeah, I forgot to look up her yeah, character yeah, yeah. name, but uh, she wired Hitch just saying, will I be with you this time? Oh, I know. he's like, no, unless you want to be a dead ass mom. <laughs> Mm, no. no, I think when you see the film, you'll understand it's not a personal slide. It's hard to be an actor out it there. It sure is. Uh, but Hitch also he he staged seemingly impromptu press photos while on set. With he had a director's chair with Mrs. Bates written on the back made, and we'll get pictures of him in the chair, Janet Lee in the chair, Martin Balsam in the chair, everyone in the chair, except of course Anthony Perkins. Oh, <laughs> all that stuff that like, you're just like, oh, just being so kooky. Let's get into final thoughts. Amy Joe, anything we didn't touch on? Any other actors in the film? We've talked about that whole Root and Tootin, Thurston Rooney and... Uh-huh, uh-huh. All the important stuff. Um, uh, Just thinking about like that cleaning up scene, I, I did think like, you know, like just get a little bit of luminol and we'll solve this murder <laughs> right away, you know? Uh, well, yeah. But uh, I guess, uh, did they have luminol back then? I don't know. I don't know if they Mm, did. Light it right up. (laughs) That's true. That's very true. That's really my my 
That's like in, in Gone Girl when she like makes herself well, bleed yeah. so that yeah. the luminol will. It's really crafty. It's mm-hmm. just knowing your forensics, you know? It's about knowing your forensics right there. Here's what I'm going to end with. After this movie's release, Alfred Hitchcock received an angry letter from the father of a girl who refused to have a bath after seeing Diabolique. Sorry. Diabolique. And now refused to shower after seeing Psycho. And Hitchcock sent a note back simply saying, send her to the dry cleaners. I have heard that because that, that's good. That's very good. Oh, Hitchcock, you sassy so-and-so. That would have been me. <laughs> but have been like, turn the hose on <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Amy Joe. Jeff. What are you recommending this week? Oh, gosh, I'm glad you asked. Uh, there is a novel, a YA novel that came out, I, gosh, time, what is time, like a year, <sighs> a year or a year and a half ago at this point. Called- if it came out in 2019, that's 18 years ago. It came out, I believe, in 2019. But again, I got I got a, like a galley copy. Mm. Um, so I read it. I read it in 2019. But I don't actually know when I then got the hard copy to get in my house. Uh, could have been early 2020. Who's yeah. to say? Um, oh, that, that was only uh, 14 years ago. Early oh, well, that's, that's how time works. years ago. <laughs> so there's YA novel um, called Squad. It's by Ray McCarthy, who is a, a friend. Uh, and they're a playwright. And they're magnificent. I believe this is their first novel um but they also did the audiobook which is why i had a galley copy because there's a polish character so they came over and i worked with them on their polish accent for these few lines when they're reading this polish character but it's it's so charming it's like uh cheerleaders in in, at a high school but like it's it's basically like a story of like a friendship that falls apart and Mm. then like this cheerleader like kind of having like a, a breakdown and having to like drop off the team and, and find out like, who am I if I'm not a cheerleader, if I'm not part of the squad anymore. And uh, it's really good. It's really enjoyable. You'll zip right through it. And again, because we're doing a film with uh, some mm. elements that have some slight like uh, transphobia, tra- some issues, yeah. some... Mm, that deal with some complicated issues in very uncomplicated and unnuanced ways. I felt like it was important to highlight another uh, trans uh, author. And so that is Squad by Ray McCarthy. Lovely. Jeff. Amy Jo. What are you recommending this week? I'm recommending the 2019 film The Lighthouse. uh, as Robert Eggers follow up to the witch or the witch depending on how you see that title written out uh it with uh willem dafoe and robert pattinson it's pretty much just a two-hander it's pretty much just the two of them as oh i remember you telling me about this so good as two lighthouse keepers try to maintain their sanity whilst living on a remote and mysterious new england island in the 1890s it's so good i i mean i was just like I don't know. I don't really. I know these don't have to tie into the film we do, but I'm like, it's another black and white horror film. Uh, but, oh, man, the two of them together are both incredible. Willem Dafoe, of course, is always incredible. And Robert Pattinson, like, is actually phenomenal in this film. And it's really just a horror film about the world's worst roommates. <laughs> yeah, you showed me a clip, and it was really oh, enjoyable. Yes, Willem Dafoe, because he's just, like, cooking the food. for them. They're just living in this lighthouse. And then there's, like, they're supposed to be done. They're supposed to only be there for, like, some X amount of time, a month or two. And then there's, like, all these awful storms for weeks and weeks and weeks. It never ends. So they're just trapped there with each other. Stuck. Stuck, and Willem Dafoe makes the food. And Robert Patton's like, no, I hate the food. And Willem Dafoe, like 
delivers a sea curse on him for like two minutes and a two minute monologue not blinking uh about it's just hilarious it's Willem Dafoe kind of doing a dramatic performance of the old sea captain in the Simpsons uh <laughs> <laughs> um but it's a wild wild film I had a blast with it I think and it's like you're just gonna see two actors get like such delicious dialogue like such specific like 1890 Maine fisherman like dialects from Robert Pattinson and, and William Defoe is like this mad conglomeration, like whatever you want to call it, of all this like sea shanty di- like words. I can't even describe it. It's delightful, <laughs> delightful, and absolutely bananas of a film, The Lighthouse on 2019. Uh, and that's what we're recommending this week. Da, da, da. Do you have a movie that you'd love for us to break down the casting of? Email us at endalmoststarring at gmail.com and let us know. Jeff, the people are clamoring to know, what film are we doing next week? Clamor, clamor, clamor. Oh, my goodness. Oh, they're breaking, they're breaking down the door. They're breaking down the door. Okay, well, please, please stop your clamoring. If you want to know what film we're doing next week, you can go to our Facebook or Instagram, both at and almost starring, where each Saturday we reveal the next film we'll be covering on the podcast. Wow. I know, so go be one of the cool kids and go hang out. I will. <laughs> well, I'm glad you will, Amy Joe, because you run the Instagram. Oh, <laughs> crud. I should get on top of that uh and if you want you could stop by itunes or and give and or anywhere else where you can uh, leave reviews and drop us but a, itunes a, some, would be great maybe itunes would be great maybe maybe some five stars because it really helps the algorithm if you haven't done so yet and you know uh, that pesky algorithm that pesky algorithm and uh if uh, you want to let us know that you're giving your five-star review based on this episode um what do you think maybe, maybe uh I, maybe this podcast cured my thirst rooney Yes, yes. Five stars. This podcast cured, but it needs to be Thirsteruni exclamation point. Exclamation point. At least one. And then maybe add a yeehaw if point. you're feeling it. If you're feeling it, this podcast cured my Thirsteruni. Yeehaw. Five, five stars. stars. Until next time, I'm Jeff Ronan. I'm Amy Joe Jackson. And thanks for joining us to see who almost starred. <laughs> <laughs>